Today is Thursday, August 3rd, 2023, and you're listening to the Ask a Christian podcast. I'm your host, Nate. Today, oh man, today is fun. Got to go through like a few, few uh days to get to a good one. This is a great day. Okay, so today we start out talking about Matthew 24. And, uh, you know, one shall, one shall be taken, one shall be left, two in the field, that, that, uh, pass- those passages. And uh, what the real meaning of that is, how people will respond. Is that the rapture? If so, how does that, how does that look um, or not look like? Um, anyways, well, I guess it would be the absence of look. Anyway, check that out. Then we have um, the, uh, apparently a re- recent Christian deconversion by someone who I don't know the specifics. So, I mean, they very well may have never really been a Christian. I don't mean like the no true Scotsman, like you're never a real Christian anyway. But I mean like legitimately, like they never believe the fundamentals of the faith. Um, if that's the case, then it, it doesn't matter. What does matter is uh, apparently there's this person with uh, who is a very loose at best Christian, maybe or may not grasping the very fundamentals to make one a Christian. And these other people, they're, they're like so high and mighty and Pharisees, like, oh, we're real Christians, you're not. Eh. Apparently they're like mocking and jeering until this person's like, you know what, I'm not a Christian at all anyways. And they deconverted. Um, so the only bad thing here is those people. Um, you know, we're, we're called to love and to, you know, be reasonable people and give answers for questions they have with the hope we have, First Peter 3.15, um, and the end of that verse, with gentleness and respect. There's not a good reason to, you know, mock or jeer or, you know, push someone away from God, draw them closer. Even if you're a Calvinist or Reformed and think God's going to save someone no matter what you do or don't do, still, don't be a jerk. The same God also says that. Um, I paraphrased. Anyway, but... Someone to the other end, if they were actually believer of the foundations and they had differing secondary issues, then those people are terrible and that's very, very bad um, if they made them stumble or question their faith or leave their faith. Um, if they were never a Christian, even by like the Bible, like believe death, burial, resurrection, they're like, no, I don't believe that, but I'm still a Christian. Okay, well, you're actually like legitimately not a Christian, so you're an atheist anyway. It doesn't matter. Um, what does matter is how you treat them. Still, don't be a jerk. Uh, but you should never believe or believe or whatever uh, a religion or a god because of the way the adherents act like the whole point of christianity is people are fallen if you want to see great examples of fallen people go to church meet some christians they're fallen people everywhere it's only jesus who can save you it's only jesus uh, that is is here to save the day so christians should be helpful but don't guarantee on it hope for the best plan for the worst so if christians say bad mean things get away from those people they're going to have to deal with god for their actions uh you if you if you still believe in a god go find other christians go find another church go find another christian community you shouldn't be you shouldn't be questioning your faith or leaving it uh, because of what other men say to you that's just nonsensical that's an emotional knee-jerk reaction don't do that anyways um double predestination so we'll talk about that have you heard that term before it's a pretty new one for me and then we go completely secular with rent control for some reason so we talk about rent control between canadia canada i get it and eh, canadia and uh, the united states and upstate new york so these are topics that have, I just don't care at all about. Um, so they talk about that for about 10 minutes. But if rent control is near and dear to your heart, um, stay tuned for that. And then God gave us weed. Uh, <laughs> our friend Dave, and by friend, I just met him, this guy named Dave, who apparently wants peace and love and unity among Christianity. And the way he's going to do that is through weed. 
So his whole thing is like, uh, you know, God gave us weed, weed's all in the Bible, let's smoke and get high, and um, that's going to unite Christianity, and weed is the tree of life. I'm like, well, it's a pretty bad tree of life, because you can smoke all you want, you're still going to die. How alive is that? So, obviously, um, the Bible disagrees with him very hard, but that's his, uh, you know, that's his pet project, to unite Christianity and the world with pot. Uh then we talk about how to uh, rear your children through parenting. Uh, there's some killer advice. It's going to be mine. I'll claim that. <laughs> I mean, I don't have the best advice my first hand. I have the answer to get the best advice, and I'm going to claim that. That's a hill I'll die on. I'll climb up there and die on it. You just got to listen. Let me know. It's a great. It seriously works. Um, anyways, so check this out. Check the Ask a Christian book out on Amazon. It's free to read with Kindle Unlimited subscription. Check out the Ask a Christian store. Grab a t-shirt, grab a coffee cup, grab a mouse pad if you want. Um, backpack, whatever. Support this podcast. Sharing the gospel to people on the internet and biblically accurate to the best of our ability, Christianity. Doesn't mean we're perfect. Doesn't mean we always get things right. But the fundamentals of Christianity, what Christianity actually is, what it definitely is not, that's what we do. That's our goal. And then to have civil dialogue and respectful conversations about the, that and those issues. You can also donate. The link is in the podcast description. And uh, we appreciate it. This is not for you to do. Thank you for your support and have an awesome weekend. Um, I, I've got a special abridged uh, podcast going on tomorrow so you guys can hear it for a little bit. Um, it's it's more like what happens during downtime of the Christians when there's no, uh, no real questions to be had. I think there's some topical issues, but mostly it's just Christians letting their hair down and hanging out and having fun for a bit. So see how the other half has fun. Other half has fun. Yeah, I said that right. All right, take care. Show these links. Bye. Taking place, and then I'll believe if I can see the rapture and people flying up in the sky. It's like, well, well, then they would have the proof. So I mean, sure, people would still not believe that. Uh, anyways, so so I think they're, they're just going to vanish, and that's going to be be leaving people left with a bunch of theories like, oh, well, maybe it was spaceships, maybe it was aliens, maybe it was something else, uh, uh, maybe it's global warming. Um, so, anyways. I didn't mean to take so long, but does that does that make you yeah. reframe your question a little bit when you said people will see the rapture? Um, yeah. If a bunch of people just like disappear, that's kind of like a different. Yeah. Thing. Yeah. I, I, yeah. Yeah. That definitely. Yeah. More of like. Okay. So. But people will, I guess, like I, you know, it's just always so confusing. But like when I read that, I was like, so like people know, people know what happens, whether they, I guess, see it. Whether I don't think that you're right. They probably don't see people like ascend up, but they. You know, he's going to notice that that man's not working the field with him anymore, right? So it's like, I guess, like, yeah, I guess, like, then that's where all the theories come in, like, what, what exactly happened. But I was just kind of kind of confused by it when I read Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I think the most visual, and then, you know, there, there, I mean, you could also get something from, is it Second Thessalonians? It talks about the twinkling of an eye or, or something like that, First or Second Thessalonians. But anyways, like, yeah, so I think the most visual ever, evidence someone would have of this rapture is the absence of seeing it so it's like you know you you will see or negatively see someone vanish right in front of your eyes so i i think a lot of people they'll just you know if their back is turned for a minute they're like oh where'd they go oh they must have got abducted by aliens um but but i mean if there is any eyeballs on someone and they just vanish right in front of them um maybe if they have a christian background they'll think oh crap the rapture happened i missed it um or i guess i should have listened to those ask a christian room people <clears throat> <laughs> um, anyways, but um, yeah, I, I think the most visual evidence someone will have is just someone disappearing right in front of their own eyes. 
And then the, I think that will give way to be like, it's magic, it's the occult, it's aliens, it's, you know, high-tech w- experimental weaponry or something like that. Uh-oh, okay. Haiti, am I in trouble? Does Steph have something for Nate? <laughs> I just read chat. Go ahead, Keegan. No, you're good. That, yeah, that makes a little, that makes a, as much sense as the, uh, <laughs> as the rapture is going to make sense. So. Is it about the woman pastor thing, Haiti? Is that, is that it? If that's it, Steph, Steph gave it to me yesterday. Wait, uh, hey, what was the verse he said in Matthew 20? Yeah, it's just Matthew uh, 24, 40, I believe. I'm not, I'm driving, but uh, I was just reading Matthew. I was just driving like Matthew 20 to like 26 yesterday. And I got to Matthew 24, 40 and just talks about two men in the field. And, you know, then I looked it up online and, you know, people are like, oh, this is talking about the rapture. And, Cause I just got, you know, just get confused, but, uh, I, but so I just brought it up. So I, I would, I would, I would suggest that the whole discourse in Matthew 24 is, is, is Jesus answering the questions that the disciples asked him after he told them that the temple was going to be destroyed. So I, I think everything that's being said is in reference to that, to the questions they had. Um, I'm not, I, I can't really say that he's he's referencing the rapture i don't think that i don't think that he was speaking of of the rapture as we as we understand it from paul's writing right i think he was talking more to what was going to happen in judea um you know basically 70 a.d right that's basically what i, I believe he's he's referring to um, and you have to go back to the question they asked remember they asked him the question of like when are these things going to happen? And what is the sign of your coming and at the end of the age or something like that? So he's answering that question. That's what I believe uh, Matthew 24 is all about. Yeah, the context yeah. is, uh, let's see. I want to find the actual thing because uh, you thought 2420? Because I don't see. No, 2440. Yeah, because that's past, like, like what Felix is talking about is before. That's like the 20s. Um, yeah, so so this is this is different, Felix. This is, uh, I mean, he goes through, like, this is, um, he goes through the abomination of desolation and talking about that. And then he talks about uh, the coming of the Son of Man. And then he talks about the lesson of the fig tree. So it's the context is like, like, moves quite a ways down. But then he talks about no one knows the day or the hour. And he talks about, you know, before the fig tree, even the coming of the man. Uh, after the tribulation, those days, the sun will be darkened. Didn't happen during Nero, as far as we know. Um, and the uh, moon will not give its lights. The stars will fall from heaven and the powers of heaven will be shaken. Then will appear in the sign uh, in heaven, the sign of the son of man. All the tribes of earth will mourn. So that didn't happen during 70 AD. Um, all the tribes mm-hmm. of the earth. They mm-hmm. didn't know about Nero. Um, so anyways, and then he, so he talks about that. And he says he will gather, uh, cover your ears, Chris. He says uh, he will send out his angels with a loud trumpet call, and they will gather, will gather his elect. <laughs> um, and then he talked about the lesson of the fig tree. And then after that, he goes on to say, uh, no one knows the day or hour. And Haiti, we're coming right to you in a second. Sorry for the delay. Um, As for the days of Noah, so will be in the Son of Man, coming in the Son of Man. Uh, the days before the flood, people were eating, drinking, marrying, giving marriage until the day Noah entered the ark, and they were unaware of the flood until it came and swept them all away. Um, then... <clears throat> Two men will be in the field, one will be taken, one left. Two women will be at the mill, one will be taken, one left. Therefore, stay awake, for you do not know what day or hour your Lord is coming. But know this, the master of the house had known, uh, had the master of the house known what hour 
uh, the thief was coming, he would have stayed awake and would not let him uh, in. So therefore, must always be ready. So yeah, I, I, I don't see how someone uh, could relate that to, to what you were talking about, Felix, because that's that's it's in the same chapter, but there's a lot of different uh, a lot of different sections to that chapter. Chapter. Um, anyway, so that, that's just from looking okay. at it real quick. Yeah, but. yeah, that's fine. Uh, Haiti. What's up, Haiti? I can't believe I missed this showdown. I thought there was no Ask a Christian yesterday. Uh, it was in the afternoon. It was it was later because I, I, I was late to the party. Did you now, guys resolve it? Well, there's nothing to resolve. She's like, hey, guess what? They had a they had a room about you where, you know, they lovingly stole my title. Um, conf confused some people. But anyways, besides that, they're like, yeah, they had this whole room about how you said you were going to, like, leave your church for a woman pastor. I'm like, uh, well, I didn't say I was going to leave my church, but I said, you know, I would consider it because, yeah, it's it's not biblical. And she's like, yeah, I know. And Chris is like, why didn't they talk to me? I said that if there's a woman pastor, Jesus has removed the lampstand from that church and turned them over to Satan. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, so we're all good. Like, women shouldn't biblically be pastors. And they're like, yep. Hang on. That's yep. not what. Wait, she didn't say that, though. She said they shouldn't be like the head pastor or like the government of the church. Oh, and she well, thought. I mean, she thought you agreed with her, and then you were like, it sounded like like any any sort of connection to female pastors you didn't like. So she was going to like confirm that with you. Oh, oh well, yeah, that never happened. Uh, so maybe maybe you can hold her to that today. But yesterday, Ooh. yeah. It was, it was, <laughs> but uh, my my position has evolved over time. Okay. I mean, you know, the more the more because uh, church leadership is not something I'm I'm in. I'm not a pastor. I've never been an mm -hmm. elder of a church, or you know, church government is not you know, near and dear to my heart. Um, just, just, I mean, I just don't have anything to do with it. Not to say it shouldn't be near and dear to my heart. I mean, it's biblical, whatever, but I mean, it's not something I deal with. So, you know, whatever. Uh, so the verses regarding church government, um, you know, I, I only look at when I have to, like when someone asks a question about it or through my own, just reading the Bible. Um, so, you know, I'm like, okay, well, Bible, this Bible, this. And then when I, I really look at it, I'm like, well, you know, I mean, it does have very pretty strict qualifications. So, it's like, you know, it goes into elders and, and pastors and shepherds and bishops and what those qualifications are. I'm like, I mean, if you just want to read the letter as it's written, then, you know, sorry, women. That's what it says. Anyway, so my position has evolved over time. I took in new information and made new uh, decisions. That's something we all should champion, right? Being willing and open to taking in new data. So the new, your position evolved to being more conservative. Is that right? Uh, well, I'd say biblically adherent, but sure, mm. you could say that. Okay. <laughs> I'm sorry, uh, Haiti, if you wanted to be a pastor. Ah, uh, darn it. That's my dream, you know. I uh, <laughs> had this little bit of cheddar. Uh, well, although you'd have to do one of those really big uh, churches, wouldn't you, to get the money? Because um, I, I know this well, he's on Clubhouse, and he makes absolutely no money whatsoever. It's terrible. Uh, anyway, are you on the floor right now? No, I, my shoes are squeaky. Oh. <laughs> they're those um, they're those Adidas ones with the little kind of like bobbly things. I don't know if you mean that they hurt for the first day or two, and then they feel like you're walking on a cloud. Um, but I do have something else for you if no one else has anything. I don't want to. Uh, Please go know. ahead. Okay, so this is something that you know what? Let me just change my headphones this is something that happened on right here on clubhouse it's not it's not really a hypothetical because it did happen 
But Uh-oh. also, we can just, we don't need to name names. We can, you can give me a general answer. Okay, so what do you think about this Christian behavior? Um, a person starts talking to a bunch of Christians um, who are mostly Calvinist. And they're a sort of, um, you know, what you might call a, a liberal Christian or a wishy-washy kind of Christian, right? They're not like super hardcore. And as a result of that conversation, the person comes away affirming that they've lost their faith. They were literally deconverted by these people because those people didn't consider this Christian to be kind of firm enough or something. And so they just talked them out of it completely. And they said, no, you're really an atheist. Now, what do you think of that? I'm vaguely familiar. I mean, like vaguely only in the sense that like less than what you just said now. Um, that there was some person that said they were a Christian and they talked to other Christians and now they're an atheist. Yeah. Um, and someone was like, it, it was, it was hard to, okay, dude, talk about, a, I mean, gender neutrally, talk about a cult. Um, it was in one of the rare times I, I visited another room besides my own yesterday. And it was an, it was a predominantly, I think all atheist room maybe. And, uh, it was hard to decipher what you just said, um, through like the glee and joy uh, for, so for a bunch of people who, um, you know, say uh, of the people who say this, I mean, the people who say this, um, uh, the people who say, you know, they don't have a problem with religion. It's just not their thing. They just lack a belief of it. They're easygoing, blah, blah, blah. There is like a demonic, weird glee from these people talking about this deconversion of a Christian <laughs> that has nothing to do with them. And I thought, you know, you say one thing, but your actions are really kind of creepy. Um, anyways, so if an atheist came to, you know, lost their atheism or or gained a religion, they'd be like, oh, you know, okay. If they're a Christian, sweet. If there's some other religion, like, oh, okay, glad they found what makes them happy. I still disagree with their choices, but okay. Uh, you know, I'm not like celebrating their destruction or demise or something. Anyways, so uh, Haiti, to answer your actual question, sorry for that derailment. Um, I would say... If it's a a Christian, like someone that says, I'm a Christian, and they do everything against the Bible, like, uh, you know, just like whatever the Bible calls, like, you know, gross sins that, you know, unless you repent, you'll die in your sins, that type thing. They may not believe in the divinity of Jesus. Like, like basically, they say they're a Christian, but they mess up, like, the very few things you must get right. Well, then I'd say, you know, for they're a Christian in in name only. So for all intents and purposes, um, yeah, I, I wouldn't treat that person as a Christian. And then if they say, well, because, you know, you said that I'm not a real Christian, blah, 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 um, I'm, I'm deconverted and now I'm just claiming atheism, I'd say from, from that perspective, the biblical perspective, it doesn't matter because you were just as destined to hellfire then as a Christian as you were now because you said you were a Christian but were nothing of the sort. If someone – and this is incredibly subjective, I know, but you, and this is coming from me. You asked my answer. Um, so if someone was like <clears> – <throat> what I would consider a Bible believing Christian, they may mess up all kinds of other stuff, but they believe in the death, burial, resurrection of Jesus. They trust him by grace through faith. They're being saved. They repent. So as much as they can, you know, they recognize their sin. They try to turn from it and are going another way. Um, and you know, they're not happy. They're not bragging about sin. You know, they, they are truly repentant and they're, they're relying on Jesus to save them, make them born again and give them eternal life. And then, they get pretty much everything else wrong. Um, you know, m- maybe they're not familiar with the Trinity. They still have some pretty severe questions about the Trinity. Um, <clears throat> you know, they're not at war with it. <clears throat> they're just having a hard time making sense of it. Um, they are, I don't know, uh, 
not sure if you have free will or determinism. They're not sure about any of these philosophical, theological points. Um, they're like a, a someone like that. I would say, yeah, like that, that would be, you know, for shame, right? Like someone that you, you think is like got some light and they're on the right track and they, they have the essentials that they probably are saved. Um, why would you do anything other than just like, you know, lovingly be like, well, look, I disagree on this. I think you should consider this and try to, you know, like offer them a little rope to pull them in rather than be like, no, because you're wrong on a couple non-essential things, which so many Christians do, right? Um, because you're wrong on a, a couple secondary issues, I'm just going to like cut that rope myself and watch you fall. Um, so, I mean, you know, depending on your bent, if you believe like God wills someone to be saved, they're going to be saved no matter what kind of crappy person you are or not. But also that same God has a Bible that says as much as depends on you, live at peace with all people. And, you know, gentle answers, turn away wrath and like all this stuff about temper and respect and civility. So if you believe ultimately God's going to save them despite your nastiness, that same God still says you should not be that kind of person. So I, I would have a big problem with that. Sorry for the long answer, Haiti, but that's no, it. Basically, I, I, if someone is biblically adherent, yeah, then don't push them away if, uh, as far as the salvation. And if someone is is messing up the fundamentals, then they're basically an atheist in a race. So it doesn't matter. Yeah, and, but you still shouldn't be a jerk. Right. And I think that, um, not hearing it myself, I do believe it's going to be on YouTube. Um, so I'll listen. Oh, wonderful. Yeah, of course. Um, I don't know. I don't know, like, whether what type of Christian this person, whether she was just kind of woolly, but believed in the essentials or whether she was just like, you know, I'm like uh, flamingly gay and this and that. And no virgin birth, no resurrection, you know, something like that. So I don't I just don't know. My gut tells me it's going to be the latter. Um, but we'll see. But that's a good answer. I get I understand what you're saying. So it's definitely a depends kind of answer. Um, there's not one like blanket rule for everything. So that's sure. Stick around. Uh, hey, Thomas, what's up? How are you doing? I'm doing all right. How about you? Good, good. What's on your mind? Right now, uh, let's see here. Uh, hmm. Uh, do you have any opinions about uh, double predestination? Is that is what it's called? Double predestination? Yeah. Not really. Like, right. predestination itself gives people enough of a problem <laughs> if we want to further complicate that. I, I mean, I guess I could give you my opinion, but I mean, you know, to, to really come up with an answer, no one will be able to prove that until we're in heaven, and then at that point, you know, it's like, well, if we still care, let's ask God how it really went down. Oh, here comes Chris. He has an opinion. Chris, double predestination. Unless he just wanted to come up here and be silent and make me look like a fool to call on him. Well, what's your opinion on double predestination, Thomas? Oh, Haiti, there's Steph. Double predestination. Uh, Who brought that up? Yeah, go ahead. Thomas, you wanted to know what our opinion was on double predestination. Yeah, anybody. I don't. I don't really. Does really matter. Uh, if I'm not familiar first. with double, like, I, like, yeah, like, I, I'm not familiar with double predestination. I'm just trying to like 
I'm just trying to think if we think of predestination, I'm thinking, does that mean like, like before you were born, kind of like a Jeremiah before I knew you were formed, like destined that way. And then like destined the way, like, um, our Arminians would kind of say like how, you know, you're predestined, uh, but uh, like, I'm, I'm trying to pull like before or during material life, like where that second predestination comes from. But that, that's my guess. Yeah. Could you go ahead and define what you, uh, how you mean it, Thomas? That just means hyper Calvinism. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I would use the, the scenario of uh, uh, there is a belief that God not only chooses certain individuals for salvation, but also actively chooses certain individuals for damnation. Right. Uh, so if predestination by, by definition is that we are uh, can't play dice with. Uh, the, the knowledge of God or uh, destiny in this case, uh, because all our actions are predetermined by a divine being. And so Calvin, I guess, accepts this notion that, so God chooses uh, group A for the good rewards and group B for uh, uh, damnation, basically. I think that's what it's meant that. by that that is 100% inaccurate. Right. What you said is accurate, but Calvin never, ever, 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 ever taught that. That is something called hyper-Calvinism. Exactly zero people teach it, um, and maybe four people in the whole world believe it. So it's, uh, it's one of those red herrings I hear all the time. It is not accurate. No one, no one, no one believes in pre-double predestination. Zero theologians. And so, so wait, you said it was hyper-Calvinism, but now you're saying no one believes in it. So does that mean right. it's, it's there's no hyper-Calvinist? Go find me a hyper-Calvinist. Oh, like, oh they wait. They don't exist. Uh, it's like finding uh, a unicorn. Okay, well, I mean, in the interest of never saying never. So, okay, so like hyper-Calvinism in a steel many way would kind of be like one of those people we were talking about in Hades' conversation. Like, if you believe God is going to save someone, I, yeah, you're... Uh, scraping your plate hope that was a good breakfast but so a hyper calvinist would essentially be someone that believes god is going to save someone no matter what they do so why preach why tell someone about god you know you can you can do whatever you want or don't do whatever you want if someone's going to be saved god's going to save them would, would that be a fair representation of hyper calvinism so like why preach yeah i mean that and also the, the big problem with it is the is the predestined to damnation God does never, never uh, does anyone uh, oh, okay. teach God predestines someone to damnation. I again, that's see a, what you're saying. It's a very silly hyper-Calvinistic thing that, again, you haven't had anybody who actually believes that in hundreds of years. Hmm. Like, hundreds of years. Hang on. I don't think double predestination is hyper-Calvinism. I don't think that's accurate. It depends, uh, on, it double, depends on. I heard Haiti. God will have mercy. God will answer. have mercy on those he has mercy, and wrath on those who has wrath. Who he has wrath. Right. It's not I'm, that I'm God predestined. Yeah, it's it's Romans nine, but it's not that God is predestining people to wrath. It is that He is passing over them. So what happens is God <laughs> chooses some, and He passes over others. There's a very specific distinction. Yeah, everyone's already predestined, right? Everyone's predestined to hell except for the few that get saved. Correct. So how is that not him predestining people to hell by, by act of not saving them?
because it's, it's simply... like another way. It, it's another way of getting the same result, right? Exactly. Like instead of God, like instead of God opening the door to hell and forcing someone in it, uh, the door to hell is open, and by God passing over them and not specifically reaching down and picking them up, well, they just automatically f are falling, and they will just fall into that door to hell. So it's the same thing for a different reason. So God's not shoving them in hell. God's just not effectively saving them. Therefore, they're just going to keep falling and keep falling until they go into hell. Right. So how is that different from being... It, well, it's a, it's a technicality. Yeah. I mean, Chris is correct. I, no, I mean, you know, God's not... You disagree what, what, with what, Chris. What, well, no, on a technicality. So, like, <laughs> technically, he's right. Practically, everyone else in the world's right. Yeah, you, no. you get it because, like, That's, practically, again, it makes no sense. Or pra again, practically, it's the same thing. Someone believing that God positively, so we have positive, negative, and then we have positive, positive. No one teaches positive, positive. Everyone else teaches positive, negative. That's it. Yeah, that's that's what we call like equal ultimacy. That is is denied by all. But double predestination could just be understood as like God choosing the elect and reprobate, which he can do by active and passive means. So. Correct. Yeah. There's just, there's a quibbling of terms when a layman is talking about double predestination, what they're talking about is equal ultimacy because they just don't know the theological term. So when I talk about double predestination in that way, I'm using it in a layman term. That's what I meant to you too. Well, glad we got that settled. <laughs> uh, Haiti, do you want to talk to Steph? Have her give me the business? Steph, I was already... I thought you were going to give Nate the business, but apparently you already talked yesterday. No, no, I warned him <laughs> that I warned him what was coming. So, you know, take it away, girl. <laughs> no, it's your thing. <laughs> it's my thing? You're indecisive. This is why women can't be pastors. Just kidding, just kidding. <laughs> Wait, no, no, no. Okay, hold on. So, so how this happened is that I have had many conversations or listened to many conversations with Nate where he said his stance on women pastors and women preaching in the church. I had an understanding that Nate was not okay with women pastors, but was okay with women giving sermons. Then in the atheist room, Tom Rabbit produced a recording that said otherwise. And I said, you'll have to ask Nate to clarify. So that was how I Oh, yeah. Uh, I, I said my position uh, evolved. I took in new information and made a new decision based on new information. Wait, so, so that's something no that everyone longer, on this. You no longer uh, think women can give sermons? Correct. So, I mean, you know, the, the more I look at it, because, you know, church church authority and church government is not something I have anything to do with. Right. I, I mean, I, in so much as I'm, I'm a member of a church, I go to church. But, you know, I don't like go. I, I don't go to meetings. I'm not on the board. I'm not an elder. So I, I don't. Church government is is a distant thing to me. Um, anyway, so I, I, you know, I've read those verses a lot. We've talked about those verses a lot. Um, but then the more I, I really dig down, and it's kind of like a technicality, like we just talked about with Chris, like passes over versus forcefully kicking someone into hell. It's like, technically, yeah, women cannot be pastors. So like, you know, I, I used to be under the impression, like, you know, head pastor, lead pastor, the actual like shepherd of the flock. Uh, biblically speaking, must be a dude. That's the qualifications. But then the, the more I looked at it, um, I'm like, well, you know, technically pastor is shepherd. So even if someone's not the the shepherd of a whole church, 
that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says shepherd. The Bible says pastor. So if you if you have that if you have that title if you have that authority, then you have to fit those qualifications. Even if you're not even if you don't have a church. So if you fit those qualifications and you know like you're you're a you're a minister or you're, you're any sort of shepherd. I, I guess you'd need a church or a flock. But I mean whether it's over a shepherd of the chairs or a shepherd of the youth group or a shepherd of the parking lot, uh, if you have that title like you know bishop overseer pastor, then you, no matter who does that, the lawn guy uh, needs to fit those biblical qualifications. And yeah. So, I mean, if, if you wait. want that title, you need to fit those qualifications. Okay. Wait. So if a That's my new position came, I have so many questions about the lawn guy thing. Um, okay. So if, if a woman was talking like this person is going to, this woman, Mrs. Jones here is going to give her testimony and talk about her experience with X, right? Okay, so now, like, let's say she's giving something that she's, like, an expert in, like, homeschool. Okay, so she's going to talk about raising children and homeschooling or whatever, okay? She's going to get up in front of your church and talk. But say that she's Pastor Smith, but she's not on any – hold on a second. I'm sorry. Esther, stop it. Stop it. <sighs> okay, let's say that she's got, gone through seminary and she is a pastor, but she's not on the staff at your church. She's allowed to – she's not allowed to talk. If she has – no title is she still allowed to give the sermon like is the problem for you her title or the sermon well it would be both so okay so like first you said if she went to if she went to seminary whatever and, and was quote a pastor however that would happen by the by the time you get that title you must be biblically adherent otherwise you you can't biblically have that title so that doesn't mean they can't go to seminary seminary or whatever i mean go to seminary get the credentials um but if you if you get that the title of overseer pastor bishop elder whatever you must be biblically adherent so you can go to college get all the knowledge you want you know knowledge it up um but if you get that title you need to be biblically adherent okay and, but then the sermon part the, the sermon part to your second question if someone gets up and gives a sermon well, well a, a, yeah absolutely not so it's not mutually exclusive if you're a pastor and and you don't fit all those qualifications which by the way single dudes shouldn't be pastor um anyways so if, you, if you're a person and you are a have a title of pastor overseer whatever you have to be biblically adherent regardless of like what congregation or flock you're over uh, mixed audience, matched audience, it doesn't matter. If you get pastor, you need to be biblically adherent. Also, if you preach a sermon, like if you're teaching the word of God, like an overseer would, the only thing you're missing is the title. Well, then you also need to be biblically adherent, which means you may as, you're doing everything that requires that title. You may as well go ahead and get that title, but you need to meet all the requirements of the Bible. So no, I, I would have a problem with, okay. definitely a problem with someone who didn't meet those qualifications giving a so sermon, even if they're like, well, I don't have the title pastor. Well, you're still giving a sermon and you don't meet those requirements. Okay, so your official stance is that anyone who speaks at the pulpit and gives a message on anything needs to have credentials, seminary, and pastorship. And women should never have credentials, seminary, and pastorship. Therefore, nobody without that should speak on the pulpit and certainly no women. Wonder, 100% Hang on. Yeah, yeah I want no 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 I'm hey, sorry. Hey, I'm not I'm trying to steel man this because I I'm asking you're questions, not. but yeah, okay. <laughs> Let me try ahead. again. So Hades rejoicing with Glee right now. This is what she wanted. <laughs> this is gonna be on an atheist show later. Wow. Okay, so no. I, I said I, I was joking. I, I mean I think I was joking. No no I mean, I, like... <laughs> I'm 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 actually a bit confused, so I want you guys to keep okay. talking. So okay, so seminary, I said completely the opposite. Go to seminary. Get get all the scholastic credentials you want. Go get as much knowledge as you want. That's wonderful. 
do everything a pastor would do, but <clears throat> don't get that title. So, so you would get a graduation, you would get a diploma. Like, as far as I know, like, you know, you don't go, uh, I mean, I, I honestly don't know that much about uh, seminary graduation, but if it's related to a, I mean, Chris could answer, if it's related to normal college, you don't graduate a pastor. You graduate with a diploma, you graduate with a degree in divinity or something like that. Get that. That's wonderful. But so that's what I'm saying uh, about about education. Just if you don't meet and it's not just about women. Remember, like the whole list, like children, you need a family. That family needs to be like in decent order. You need to be a respectable person in the community, just like the Bible says. So someone who doesn't meet all those qualifications should not be, uh, you know, should not have those titles. Um, just as simple as that. And then as far as the sermon, no, I actually I actually don't think you need to be like ordained necessarily by a group of men, uh, by like an organization or denomination, just like the Bible says, right? Like pick out the elders and the people from um, among the group. Um, I believe that's about as far as like ordination or terms elders and pastors need to go. I don't think you need to appeal to like, you know, the Baptist organization or the Methodist organization to get your official minister title. Um, Anyway, so, so no, I, I said, if someone is going to get up there and preach behind the pulpit and they meet all these qualifications, you may as well go ahead and get the title because that's Wait. effectively what you're doing. Okay. Okay. So my original question was, if Mrs. Smith is going to give a sermon on biblical child rearing and she has no qualifications, is that a problem for you? Is it if Mrs. Smith wants to do that? Audience. With... Wait, wait, yeah, wait, Chris. What wait, Chris said. I want to hear... Okay, I, so I agree with him. If it's for if it's for a women's group, go for it. You're just a lay person giving a okay. Bible study, giving so a teaching. So in a, a in a church congregate congregation, in front of men and women and teenagers and the children are at children's church. Okay, and oh, Mrs. The pastor says Mrs. Smith is going to talk today about biblical child rearing. Take it away, Mrs. Smith, and she just steps up from the congregation and gives a sermon about biblical child rearing. You that would bother you. Is this in a it worship service? Chris, this, like... uh, this is about Nate. You don't want to be in it. Trust me. Nate, <laughs> would that bother you on a Sunday morning? It has bothered me. That's what I've said. Like, you know, it's been out of sight, out of mind before. I know there's like, you know, women pastors on our church staff, but like. Wait, like you keep, wait, you keep muddying it. We're not talking I'm, about the women pastors. We're talking about. I'm literally about giving. <laughs> oh, okay. Yeah. Mrs. Smith is great. I, I've heard two Mrs. Smiths. Okay. Okay. Hold on. Months, pause, pause. I've heard. I've heard. Pause, pause, pause. So if Mrs. Smith steps up on a Sunday morning at your pastor's it request, bothers me. And gives a sermon. Mrs. Smith that... bothers me. Okay, there you go, Haiti. I stand corrected. Oh. I completely misunderstood what Nate believed. There you have. Well, well no, you didn't misunderstand what so... Nate believes because my position has changed. So you, okay, you got yes. me right. I was I'm very I I stand corrected. The I have brought Nate about to what the Nate I'm very confused. Stuff. What's the difference? Hang on, let me let me say one thing. Uh, well, maybe uh, okay. Let me say one thing. So you know, while while it bothers me because I'm like, ah, what are the possible reasons, right? And it's not just the fact that you know a a, a woman dare speak into a group of men. It's that technically it's unbiblical. So not just that it's unbiblical, but it's like what possible reason could Mrs. Smith have for and all the people involved, like pushing her behind her and letting her do this, what possible reason could there be? Because the Bible, I mean, I get it. If they're like me, I mean, you know, it took me a lot of reading through it to come to this conclusion. Um, so maybe that's them. So, you know, I can't fault them for that. I'll be like, well, you know, it took me a while to get there too. So if that's a reason, that's understandable. Um, if that's not the reason, 
And they're like, well, the Bible says this. And through some very, very shaky way, they try to like force the issue. Is it through like honest ignorance, which, you know, understandable, forgivable, or is it through, well, I really don't feel good about this. The Bible seems to suggest I should not be doing this, but I really want this title. I really want this authority. So I'm just going to kind of dishonestly go ahead and do it. Uh, that That's the things that make me think because technically they shouldn't be doing it. So if they do do it, is it a pride thing? Is it an ego thing? Or is it an ignorance thing? But we, I don't know. So I'm uncomfortable. Um, okay. Cri- cri- like where Chris would jump up and run out of the church with his family. I just sat there thinking, ah, why is this? Chris would okay, jump up out of the church topic... with his family and pull the fire alarm. <laughs> you would not. The topic oh, of women pastors. Steph goes speaking to Chris's church. Right. Like, okay. So like nobody of you and me and Chris, all three of us agree that women should not be pastors and should not be in head leadership on a church. It is news to me that you two also think that women should not give sermons at a church. And that's something that, that that's further than I would go. Oh, okay. Well, okay what so- I believe, let, let me give you a pithy statement. Um, so the atheist can take this. If a woman gets up in a worship service and preaches to a mixed crowd of men and women, Jesus has taken away that church's lampstand, and it is now in the hands of Satan. And all of those people have turned themselves okay. over to so Satan. When, so I don't go Calm down, <laughs> Wait a minute. And I'm saying this as the least feminist person. You should have heard the conversation I had with the atheists. Like, trust me, I am not trying to advocate for women being pastors, okay? But what I'm going to say is, like... What do you do then in Paul's hey, that's letter? A lot of clicks. Oh my goodness, Sadie. That was a lot of clicks. Okay. I'm so uh, sorry. I was stuff. just taking my headphones off. What do you do then when Paul is addressing instructions to brothers and sisters about evangelizing and teaching? Where do you draw the line between evangelizing and teaching? Why isn't Mrs. Smith allowed to speak on that's, a topic? Like that's what? not a worship service in Wait. a church. Yeah, can I can I say this? This question came up. Nosa asked it the yesterday or two days ago, or maybe yesterday. Nosa asked this exact same thing, right? So, by the way, my, my problem would have always been if you say a woman pastor is going to like jump up and give a ser- sermon, I would have had more of a problem with that than having them be called a pastor, but like a staff pastor or a women's pastor. Um, anyways, just just so you know, but the the woman giving a sermon not being a pastor, I don't think that ever really came up a whole lot uh, to be addressed. Anyways, but Nosa asked this very question, right? And it, it goes back to the technical the technicalities of the bible if it's chris said if it's a corporate worship like like church gathering church service where like you know the church government should be there then the the church government stuff applies right pastor bishop elder all the requirements if you know if everyone wants to fill the great commission which everyone is called to do that go evangelize so by the way the most important thing you can do in christianity is evangelize and tell people the gospel of jesus christ so then if people are having a big brouhaha about women wanting to be pastors that is less important than the most important thing you can do which everyone is called to do which is share the Great Commission, be part of the Great Commission, share the news about Jesus Christ. So if a woman is like, oh, I want to be a woman pastor, or, oh, the patriarchy is keeping me down, how dare you? Um, great, take one step out of that church parking lot and start telling people about Jesus and how they can have eternal life. Now you're doing the most important thing a Christian can do, and you have a vagina to do it. Anyways, so that, that would be the difference. So if the woman's saying something on the parking lot, um, you know, it, it is great, is fine. But then if she goes inside the church, jumps up on the pulpit and starts preaching that very same thing, that would be wrong. So so that's the dividing line. If it's a corporate worship setting, and then we want to get into like 
uh, litigiousness about, well, what's the co what constitutes it? Is it like two or three where the body of Christ is gathered? Is it in the door of the church building? What if it's in the foyer? You know, what if it's in these different things? I, I don't care. Put me in that situation and I'll let you know how I feel. Um, but, but as far as, you know, without being pedantic about it, um, corporate worship setting like church or church government applies, um, that's the time that applies. Uh, take one step outside of that and go nuts. Okay, but anyway, the, the that... thing is, yes, but I would agree with you. Okay, so I'm disagreeing with everything you're saying, but then you throw in the corporate government element. So I'm going to hold to, yes, there is a leadership structure that is, you know, set out a certain way, okay? I am not going to agree with you that Mrs. Smith, whether she's ordained or not, if she is not on your church staff, I don't, that would be very hard for me to come around to the idea that Mrs. Smith shouldn't speak in lieu of the pastor on a Sunday morning. Yeah, I, I have more of, I mean, that's weird. We've never talked about that. But I have more more of a problem with unordained, no title, Mrs. Smith, Smith preaching, because it's unbiblical, rather than her actually having the title, which is also unbiblical. Um, but so, I, I mean, don't I, I have see more that it's unbiblical. Well, then, I mean, we just disagree. So lay preachers are a thing, right? It, yeah. So... If it was Mr. Smith who's unordained, he could get up there and say some some stuff, but not Mr. Well, well, Smith. Is that right? Well, both, is, both lay preachers. So. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so this is where I'm in the uncomfortable middle, again, between Steph and Chris, because I don't have a problem with, you know, like like traveling, uh, you know, traveling evangelists or missionaries that church supports or stuff like that who want to come in um, and, you know, give a message, you know, if they meet the biblical qualifications, all that stuff. Um, I don't have a problem with like a, a guest speaker like that, or if the pastor's unavailable, uh, you know, some other guy. And I don't care if they're ordained or not. Um, you know, I, I and I think that's where we disagree because Chris is like, no, you should never relinquish that. That's that's you know your position as the as the responsible head of the church. You should never let someone take that position. And and I don't have a problem with that as long as they check the biblical boxes. So is it the pulpit that's the problem? Yeah, that's what is it? the corporate. Mrs. Smith, the missionary from Africa, she wants to come and tell you all about her experience and how it went. And that wouldn't be allowed because she's a woman? No, I would be fine with that. And I actually think oh. Chris would be fine with that too, right? Okay, because it, so it's, this is about it, what, it, then a sermon? Okay, we, we really need to go, go to the Bible because there's the church government, but it says more than just like titles. It talks about or have authority over a man, right? So like okay, if you're okay, teaching, wait. like, Pop hey, and uh, oh, can I get through this? Ah, you're going to make me lose my train of thought, Steph. Ah, you're going to make me lose my train of thought. Okay, hang on. So if Mrs. Smith wants to jump up, um, if she has the title minister, that's a problem because she should not have the title. If Mrs. Smith is just a good, you know, missionary worker in, in Cambodia or whatever, and she's visiting the church and wants to tell about the mission's work, well, she's not holding authority over a man. She's just giving information. Like she may as well be talking about a bake sale or being like, hey, your your generosity is great. Keep it up. These kids love you. Here's some pictures. Look how happy they are. Thanks. I'll see you all next week. Find my booth outside to learn more. Um, I don't even think Chris would have a problem with that. I mean, maybe on Sunday morning, but because there's no authority being held, she's not teaching. She's not educating us. She's just giving some information about some stuff like a newspaper. Um, so I would not have any problem with that. And Chris, would, would you? I mean, yesterday you said you wouldn't have a problem with like basically information yeah. sharing as yeah. long as not on teaching. a Sunday. I mean, if it's an announcement for five minutes, like, hey, we got our children's ministry. You know, you should come and bring your kids. Like, yeah, I don't care. Um, but the minute somebody opens up a Bible and is like, all right, now I'm going to teach you some scripture. Now we got problems. Right. So teaching the scripture, and that's what a sermon is. I, I forgive me. I'm very ignorant about this. 
So a sermon is teaching about scripture. But I thought Steph's was a example was teaching you how to like or your kid. So that sounds more like just giving information. Well, well, presumably, if you're teaching a kid and it's in a church, you're going to crack open the Bible somewhere. You're going to hit Proverbs, talks about raising the kid, don't spell the rod, stuff like that. So you're going to be teaching from the Bible. <laughs> okay, I think I see the difference. So women can talk in your church, in your ideal church. Okay, women can talk in your ideal church. But the second they appeal to scripture, they're exerting authority? No, the minute they start exegeting scripture as the function of a Sunday morning, as a pastor that's would, what I said. then that's a problem. That, that's what, okay. All right. So whether they're on the staff or not has no bearing. Like if they're not on staff and they're submitting to the authority of the head male pastor, you still would not anyone want, you would not want any woman to give any sermon at all ever in your ideal church. I'm sorry. It's not me. It's Jesus. And Jesus mm -hmm. does not so want that Paul woman giving instruction to mis mixed crowds. So when Paul is structuring his churches and he says, brothers and sisters, do this. Oh, oh my goodness. I can't do it. I'm goodness. Exercise authority over your child and preach yeah, to that child. That <laughs> okay. Older women teach the younger women, right? So, I mean, that, by the way, there's another problem. I mean, if you want to be technical, right? Like, how, how litigious are we going to be? You know, if someone is like 39 and a half and someone is 40, and, you know, it's like, no, no, the older, the 40 year old must teach the 39 and a half year old. The 39 and a half year old must not teach the older woman. That's the younger teaching the older. I'm probably not going to make too big of a bone about that. But I mean, generally speaking, that would be unbiblical if a younger woman, even if she's more educated or whatever, was teaching a group of older women. That would technically be unbiblical. Read now, Revelation I mean, chapter 2, verse 20, please. Oh. Uh, Hang on, I was looking at a bunch of other stuff. It's going to take me eight minutes to get there. It just seems like the goal isn't necessarily knowledge, though, because this younger woman could have like a PhD in theology. It's not knowledge. It's not. It, well, it should be. Kind of sad, isn't it? Well, 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 no, hang on. It, what's the goal, though? Right. So, so the whole thing is is order. So even if someone is smarter or more educated and they're technically teaching a better thing, it, it, it's all predicated on this belief of God. Right. Are we using the man's wisdom and the natural man? If you don't believe in the spiritual God and Christianity, then that's exactly what you're doing. So it just makes sense logically that, well, whoever's more educated about a topic should teach it. That makes sense. However, if you believe, you know, the Bible and the word of God, well, the God makes foolish the wisdom of the wise, right? So people think they're wise. God makes them foolish by this simple message and the way he does things. So if if you, you are more educated than Chris, I mean, that's easy, right? Let's just assume that. That's probably true. <laughs> so Haiti is more, and you're also Christian Haiti. So Christian Haiti is more educated than Chris. Um, yet Chris is like, um, you know, checks the biblical qualifications. Um, the, the only difference, right? You all have the qualifications checked, except he's a dude and you're, you're a woman. That, that's the only difference. Um, in the Sunday school class, as long, I, I mean, you, you have to know the gospel, right? So you have to be, you, you have to be beyond re reproach and, you know, know about your faith. So it's not like you, you know nothing about Jesus. You are, you are seasoned in what you believe, right? So you've got the basics, you've got the gospels. So if Chris is like, well, hey guys, uh, you know, I only know so much, but you know, Jesus is death, burial, resurrection. That's all I'm going to talk about because I don't know about this philosophy. I don't know about all these deep theological doctrines. I don't know a lot about the Trinity, but I know Christ and him crucified. And that's what I'm going to preach. God can do more with that 
than someone that's like, yes, I have every philosophical answer. I can talk about the Trinity, ins and outs, ups and down. Everyone's going to walk away with an understanding of the Trinity, yet you're not doing it from a biblical from a biblical place. Then that can can be worthless uh, compared to Chris, who has just the most like basic, lowbrow, uh, uh, exegesis of the Scripture. So, um, so Jesus would rather a dumb guy <clears throat> than a brilliant woman. That's basically what you're saying. Right. And why is that? Because it's not about the people. It's about the God. So God lays things out this way. So ultimately, the, thing, the things uh, we do, men, women, people on earth, are nothing compared to God. So, yeah, I think one word of like amen, can, God can do more with that from a biblical place than God can do with like a whole theological dissertation. Um, from an unbiblical place, and it has nothing to do with the people. It has everything to do with God and pulling in the heart. So if someone hears, amen, like Paul talks about, you know, sometimes he he reasons with people, and, and that would be akin to what you're talking about, like these, these very educated, well-reasoned arguments. And he says, other times, I just preach Christ and him crucified, so the power of the cross doesn't lose its message. So someone's just like, Jesus, amen, am I right? And that's biblical. How many God can, like, pull on, God can... I, I'm just trying to like drive the point home to make sure you get it. It's not about the people. It's what happens after that. So God can do more of that in, in relation to people's hearts and pulling people's hearts and leading people's hearts with that done from a biblical position, I believe, than someone who like lays out an amazing, um, you know, uh, what, like whatever you're saying, like uh, very good arguments, very good reasons, super educated. Um, and God would not maybe do as much with that because it was not from a biblical place. That's what I'm saying. It's not about the people. It's about God. It's not about. Does that make sense? Like goals. It's not about <clears throat> God. You think you think this dumbass, excuse my French, who says "Amen, Jesus," is going to convert more people than like a female William Lane Craig? That's it. That's it. That's you that just made no my sense. point. Right. No, no, right. I can't believe that. <laughs> yes, we no, do. Haiti, Haiti. No wait, wait, wait. Sense. Haiti. This is why. Uh, this is why I'm saying that. Like you're making the point. I, I just need you to flip it around and see it. Like, like, try to see what you just said from my perspective. It sounds foolish. Yeah. Like, you're quoting the Bible. You're quoting the Bible. You're paraphrasing the Bible right now. Like, what seems foolish to man is the wisdom of God. So then if you're going to make, oh, well, God's dumb. Well, I mean, you can say that. Good luck. I mean, oh, right, right, really right. Dumb. I get it. I'm sorry. I, right, Haiti. But what you're missing is there's an entire creator of everything in existence behind that. So if someone's like, uh, the female William Lane Craig, which why would anyone want to be that? Oh, I just, um, but if someone's I like, someone but, like that, I understand. You know. If someone's like like the the best scholar, but they're doing it unbiblical, um, you're saying why would God want that? That's very dumb. But see that from our perspective. Like if there's a level, like the the most smart, you know, William Lane Craig. Just just assume he's good for your example. Uh, the female William Lane Craig comes to like a, an inch on the scale. If we're starting on a flat table, she comes up to an inch. The, the dumbest, uh, you know, Chris, uh, who's just like, amen, Jesus, am I right? Uh, he comes up to like a quarter of an inch. So she far exceeds him. And then you've got God, who's the one that's like puts all this stuff into action. And we don't save anyone anyway. It's totally God. So then you're like, oh, Chris is a quarter of an inch. Uh, you know, Haiti, the female William Lane Craig, S. Uh, she comes up to a full inch, and then God just goes up and up and up, and you can't see how far he goes because it's infinite. And that's the guy who's doing the saving. So no one is going to save someone by our words. If we talk about, you know, if you do female William Lane Craig, 
and you're biblical and God uses that, great. God will maybe pull on these people's hearts, tug at these people's hearts, and they're like, oh my gosh, I got saved. Female William Lane Craig didn't do that. God used her as a tool to relay what he wanted to those people. She didn't save anyone. God did. The same way, uh, you know, Knuckle Dragon Chris says, Jesus, amen. These people may be like, wow, that was the dumbest guy in the world. They get in the parking lot, and God uses that biblical perspective, uh, that guy from a, a biblical uh, perspective and he hits these people's consciousness their heart they're convicted they're like why was i making fun of that guy wow i'm a bad person he did say jesus what about wow why am i crying oh my gosh why do i feel crushed that was a bad thing to do maybe there is something to this i don't know amen jesus and then they like thumb through their bible and again chris didn't save anyone with amen jesus in both cases god is the only one doing any saving so I, I don't mean to to keep going down this track, but but you couldn't have said it any better yourself. You paraphrased the Bible with what you said. You 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 just don't see it from a different perspective. And if you did, you'd be thinking, "Holy crap! I never would have said that. That makes that makes my case not look good." Um, but I I I, I don't even know what to say. Can you can you see that the way I presented that? It's I mean, all God. I, right. So you're just saying <clears> that. Well, you were kidding that God could use female William Lane Craig. Who save souls, right? Sure, he could do anything. But, well, I mean, but God can use the devil. Allowed... <laughs> huh? She's not allowed to preach, so how is she going to be saving souls if she's not allowed in that pulpit? She walks out and starts talking to people after the but service. Do it. So, <laughs> female William Lane Prague is confined to the parking lot, and dumbass, amen, Jesus, am I right, guys? Uh, he gets the pulpit. All right. Correct. Okay. All right. Yes, well, because I'll, God. I'll 100%. <laughs> well, and actually, I mean, the full reason, right, like, so the reason this, there's too many scriptures is, like, read First Timothy, Titus, First Peter. I, I, I was trying to get these concise, but it's a charged conversation. I don't think we have time to read them all. But basically, it's the church leadership. And the, we're, we're hitting little bits, and I think it would help everyone to just read all the stuff about church government. So the qualifications, you know, one of them, the reason Paul gives for this is as simple as, basically, Adam's not the first one to fall. Eve is the first one to be deceived. And because of that, then Adam was, then Adam fell. So Eve sinned first. That's, that's like the basis for all this. I mean, there could be other reasons, but as far as what the Bible tells us, this is the reason it gives is because Eve sinned first. Therefore don't preach. Um, not to mention all the other qualifications, but so, I mean, it's not just like the presence of anatomy or the absence of anatomy is a reason. Um, that that's the ultimate reason they give is woman sin woman sins first that's why so if adam would have sinned first maybe men would be banned from preaching um but that's not the way it went anyway um how, how are we doing guys <laughs> any other response you never uh, read revelation two twenty. <clears throat> oh, oh yeah okay um, I have it pulled up if you want me to read it. Uh, yeah, go ahead. Revelation 2.20. But I have a few things. So in context, this is um, this is being asked the angel to write to the church of Pergamos. Uh, Jesus asking to write this to the angel of Pergamos. But I have a few things against you that you allow the woman Jezebel to teach. She's saying herself to be a prophetess and to cause my slaves to go astray, and to commit fornication, and to eat idol sacrifices. What, okay, wait. Is, is this about to be a defense that the problem here is woman? Yes. The problem there is Jezebel. 
Because yeah. the, the problem is not the word woman. The problem is a woman who came in, converted an entire nation, ruined everybody's lives, subverted the authority of the king, and then led Israel astray. The, the problem is not woman. No, the problem here is that the church allowed Jezebel to take yes, over. That is the, the point of the passage. Jezebel, not the church allows woman. Same thing. It's an analog. No, 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 no. Woman and Jezebel are not synonymous. Depends, depends because, on, depends on okay, what day it is. Let's do a thought. Wow. <laughs> real quick, okay? Imagine... Imagine that it said in Revelation what Zach just read, take out the name Jezebel and put in the name Ruth. Does it still work? Yes. No. The problem. No, it does. Oh, my. Right. Do your own thought experiment. I did. Well, it would not work if it said, do not allow the woman Ruth to teach because then all of this other list, because Ruth didn't do any of those things and was still a woman. The problem is Jezebel, not woman. Um, well, let me, okay, so the thing I was thinking about back in, let's go, all, let, let me just read this. It's not that long. It's only a few verses. Going back to Timothy, 1 Timothy 2, 13, 14, it says, For Adam was formed first, then Eve, and Adam was not the one deceived. It was the woman who was deceived and became a sinner. Um, so, so that's the reason he gives. So, I mean, whether you're talking about Ruth or Jezebel or <laughs> Pastor Stephanie, um, is your name Stephanie or did you just come out named Steph? No, it's Stephanie, not a pastor. <laughs> Anyways, so I mean, that's the reason. It's numerical. When right? your mom is mad the, at you, does she call you Stephanie? What's your middle name? Does she call you by your no, middle name? She called me Stoli by the dog's name because all my brothers begin with J. <laughs> and then Was she calling you a dog? Is your mom yes. calling you a dog? That's a whole other thing I'm in therapy for. It's fine. <laughs> Okay, so what I was saying was, we're just gonna skip um, that one. Let's just skip that one. Put put a note there. We'll come back. Um, put a, go put get a therapy spin, from, right, right, from, a, from a Christian pastor, not not a woman though. Um, anyways, First Timothy three one seven. So people like to focus on the the presence of anatomy. Uh, let's see. This is a trustworthy thing. There's a lot of things. Whoever aspires to be an overseer desires a noble a noble task. Pastor. Now the overseer is to be above reproach. There's a qualification. If you're not above reproach, no pastor. Faithful to his wife. Well, his, if you want to be literal, right? You're like, oh, his means his kind and, you know, humankind and us kind. But if you just want to be literal, faithful to his wife. He, man, wife, woman. So, dude, uh, temperate. If it, Chris <laughs> probably couldn't be a pastor. Um, Self-controlled. <laughs> Respectable. Hospitable. Chris could do that. He's pretty hospitable. Uh, able to teach. Chris could do that. Uh, not given to drunkenness. Uh, he's Calvinist, but you know he's probably doesn't given to drunkenness. Um, not violent, but gentle. Eh, maybe. Not quarrelsome. Uh, you know. So, so see, Chris checks a lot of these boxes, but biblically speaking, probably couldn't be a pastor. <laughs> um, not a lover of money. He seems to have that one checked. He must manage his own family well and see that his children obey him. I mean, from what I know of Chris, he seems to do a good job of that. He must do so in a manner worthy of full respect. If anyone does not know how to manage his own family, how can he take care of God's church? He must not be a recent convert. So that would be like the people that have no idea about Jesus. Can't be a pastor. Um, you can't be a recent convert. Or he might become conceited and fall under the same judgment as the devil. Don't want that. He must also have a good reputation with outsiders so that he will not fall into disgrace and into the devil's trap. So 
there's lots of things like what was those qualifications like one qualification had to do with like gen with sex with biological sex all the other qualifications had to do with other stuff so like what like 70 percent of point at earth is excluded from being pastors by strict adherence to this including dudes um anyway so there you go there's just a little more of why we believe what we believe <clears throat> Haiti, does that hit, make you hate God a little bit less, sir? Oh, more. <laughs> oh, good. <Okay. laughs> Noted. <laughs> uh, I don't know. Uh, so, Michael, wait, Haiti, is that various... your graduation picture, or is that your daughter? That's me. I don't, sadly, I don't have a daughter. Oh. I was at my parents' house, and they had all these old photos, uh, so I've just been, like, recycling them. But, uh, yeah, that's me. Did you go to uni in the States or in In England. Britain? Yeah. I got a BA uni. in uni. Got a BA in what? History. Ooh, I like history. Yes. In your history, how much American history did you have to learn? Zero. To get that? <laughs> I, as far I, as Haiti is concerned, we're still a colony. I'm still pretty <laughs> the uh, details, to be honest with you. <laughs> and, and, and Michael, Michael definitely lives in a colony. <laughs> I mean, women couldn't be like you know in the in the in the uh, armed armed forces there, right? Like, did you have a? I mean, now I'm sure well, that, you know back in back in the days when she thought we were still uh, okay. Forget what I'm saying. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, um, Michael, is Trudeau getting divorced? Is that true? Yes. And are there are there uh, rumors circulating that he like I, I've seen like um like tabloid photos of like him like being very eerily intimate looking with macron Come from on. france is, totally. is are rumors circulating about that totally. uh well i hadn't heard the oh, sorry go ahead you finish up well you look he's a handsome man again divorced i think he cheated that's just my theory nothing with macron uh, well probably not probably just one of his <laughs> i mean these these pictures it's like they have like a they're like hiding in a bush <clears throat> so you see like the leaves around them uh, the the photographer's angle. It's like there's like they're taking a picture like through a hedge, and you see like them like very very like like faces pressed like right next to each other. I'm like, holy crap! Like I don't want to say it's it's not photoshopped. I mean, give the guy a bit of the doubt, but I mean, man, that looks legit. Yeah, I hadn't seen that picture. Um, <clears throat> yeah, from from the news that's been reported, uh, uh, Trudeau and his wife are are divorcing. I have no idea why, uh, and. You know, if if he cheated, yeah, like that's, I mean, like, yeah, I don't know the details. I don't know that anybody, well, I'm sure a couple of people know the details and maybe not many more, but uh, whether it was with someone of the same sex or not has, like, doesn't matter to me one iota because um, I yeah, just don't care. Um, but yeah, g going back to just to kind of toss in my um my two cents on the whole thing about uh, women. It, this is another one of the reasons, like this is one of the things that actually makes me really um, just kind of, yeah, no charity this morning, disgusted with religion. Um, I prefer the company of equals. Um, and it, it's just another, it's just another thing. Like it's a, yeah, just another thing. Just like, this is so silly. Uh, I look at someone like, like my wife, my wife's one of the smartest people I know. And she's, she has, you know, a, a leadership position uh, in what she does. And she could do that anywhere and probably do it in almost any setting better than a lot of men could. And so, yeah, like it just, 
it's, it, I get the whole biblical thing, and it's just another reason why the biblical, the Bible to me is just preposterous. Yeah, and, and I mean, I mean, this goes into the same thing exactly Haiti said, and I, I'm curious about your no charitability if you've had a rough morning or been in other contentious rooms in a minute. But um, I mean, I mean, it's just what Haiti said, right? With man's wisdom, and you know, no one's saying women shouldn't be leaders. Go be a CEO, great. Um, but but as far as it's like men's only golf clubs. Like, everyone's got a problem with those. I mean, not as many as women preachers. But it's like, what's the problem? Why this? Why don't you want women? I think now they're starting to allow women, but some are sticking to their guns. They're like, it's tradition. That's why. Not saying women are bad, not saying women are this. Like, it's just been this way for a thousand years or, you know, like however long golf's been around, a couple hundred years. It's been this this way since the inception. So we're just sticking to, to tradition for tradition's sake. Well, in this case, it's like we're just sticking to the word of God because the creator of the universe is incredibly more important than golf. And this is what we believe he honestly says, if for no other reason than to like, you know, Jesus, you know, I didn't come to bring peace, but a sword to like divide the issues to be like, well, if people have a problem with this, that shows their submittal or refusal thereof to submit to God or at least the concept, which could play a part in submitting to God in the future if they ever get a belief in a God. So if you're unwilling to submit to this just for the reason, because God said so, maybe just for a test. Who knows? But the point is, you know, with God, uh, man's wisdom is, is made foolish. So if all you have is man's wisdom, if there's like a giant chasm and, you know, the word of God says jump, it is not, by the way. But if there's a big chasm and the word of God says jump, man's wisdom would be like, no, I don't want to do that. But if, if someone was really if that was somehow in the Bible, it's not. But if it were um, and we all went to this chasm and it's been a unique experience, no one knows what happens after you jump in it. But after you jump in it you know, chariots of fire, like in the Bible, come down, sweep you away and take you to heaven. It'd be like, oh, well, if you have faith and believe in a God, that's awesome because God's got you. But if God didn't have you, man's wisdom says you're going to jump in a bottomless pit and probably die. Um, so, I mean, it just comes down to, do you believe in a God? Do you want to follow this God? Do you trust this God has the best idea for the universe? Um, even if he says some things that don't make sense to you or you don't really understand, um, which in this case, we do understand. Eve was deceived and fell first. That's the reason. So he even gives us the reason. Anyway, so I'd, I'd say it's just one of those uh, things. So, Michael, why are you un not feeling charitable? Did you have a rough room earlier? or? Oh, no, 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 sorry. No, it has nothing to do with it. No, and no, it's fine. No, I just mean with that with that particular issue. Like, I'm not – it's, it's ah. something where I'm just not going to give um, – uh, It's I'm not going to give any ground on something like that. Like, I just uh, – in, in that way, I am just – very much in egalitarian like this is we like we are like we are just we we are equal and anything else is is just dumb um, um you know you know it's, it's like there you know it's like yes there there are biological differences right you know men are physically stronger in most cases right probably the overwhelming majority of cases that is true it's also been my experience that women are much better in leadership roles because women are much less violent than men are. Men, men in, in a lot of situations, we are, we are stupid when it comes to stuff like that. And we are more likely to jump to violence than a woman is. And that can be deadly in a lot of situations. And I, and I, I understand, I'm, I am, I'm, not, I'm using broad strokes. So we could, we could pull out a million examples where what I just said wouldn't be accurate. I'm talking about the overwhelming majority of the time, and, and I'm talking only from my experience. I have a what if, Michael. Um, you keep saying leadership roles, and my, I could probably hand wave most of that away to, to the agreement side. I can like hand wave a lot of that away and, and say I agree with you. 
perhaps in some of the leadership roles that, you know, the violence, testosterone, you know, stuff like that. But we're not talking about leadership roles. We're talking about one leadership role or, you know, biblical leadership roles. So any other aspect that you're talking about, I can, I could probably meet you pretty much halfway um, or more than halfway, but specifically for the church, that's, that's one thing. And here's the, what if, what if everything you say, we just agree. And, you know, mince, you're not saying this, I'm straw manning, but it's okay. Cause whatever whimsy so if men suck and women are awesome um what if god wants men to be the leader because we're so flawed and he wants to show how awesome he is by using the dumbest tools he can which is a bunch of dudes um just saying what if well well yeah i mean and and i mean you and i have played the what if game of watching you know it's like if that's a compelling argument what um knuckle dragon chris someone have no. ai do a someone have ai do a picture of knuckle dragon chris chris can you put a headshot up but it <laughs> would be it. i i think i have one i think i have one screenshot of him before um but no i think it would be interesting like i mean again if the things you're saying are true then yeah then it all makes sense and and that would be like again in the statement of if granting granting all of your theology as being correct then I could step into Chris's shoes and be in agreement. Wow, that's a really compelling argument. But from my standpoint, not so much. And see, my whole thing is, you know, because I'm not even saying everything I am saying is correct. My, my only goal, because, you know, I, I fall back to the Bible. Like the reason given is women fell first. Sorry. So that's my position. But as far as the what ifs, I don't even know if my what ifs are correct. My only goal in this is to get people to withhold judgment. So instead of saying, well, you know, if what Nate says is correct, then great, I agree. Um, but since I don't know that, um, what I think is probably more correct, and therefore I have a, pro- a big problem with this. So my only goal is to keep you from having a big problem with it and just having a bunch more of like, okay, well, there's a lots of things that if they're true, then I, I would agree with and I don't have a problem with it. So I'll just maybe still have a little problem with it, but a less problem with it. Because I don't know, there's a lot of good scenarios where this would be fine. Um, but since I can't prove that, and I don't believe in your God anyway, I will lessen my massive problem to just a lesser problem with it. Because I'll withhold judgment. See, that's very charitable. You're more charitable than I, than I am this morning. So, but it, it's interesting, right? Because, so, like, yes, I understand, you know, I, yes, I understand where you're coming from. But the the part where where we diverge like 90, like 180 degrees in opposite directions is because of the position I take, right? Like me, just very personally, because I am convinced that the things you believe are, aren't only unlikely, but are untrue. I'm unable to reconcile what you're able to reconcile. I understand. And, and that is just uh, where we diverge. I mean, you know, by the way, I mean, I, I think, you know, that's a pretty good masterclass on how to disagree with someone. I think that may be, uh, may be about the most uncharitable disagreements we have, yet neither of us have picked up verbal spears. So, um, you know, I mean, I guess it's well, unfortunate that we have found one thing we, we really disagree pretty hard on, really hard on. Um, but that, I mean, it's the worst case scenario. We disagree. Yeah, no one's exactly. trying to hurt anyone. Whole, like, God being real thing, right? Well, he threw that in there. He's he's like because I he threw that in there right that's part of the disagreement. He's like because yeah. I don't think anything you believe is real. I'm like okay well and then 
because of that, all, the cascading waterfall, I'm like, well, that's just where we disagree. Yeah, 100 percent. You know, but I think that that's a, and this is another thing where, you know, where anybody, uh, you know, anybody that's listening now or anybody that's going to listen to this in the future or when you put this up as a podcast episode date, somebody can listen to this and they can they can maybe, you know, understand that a pat on the back is only a foot away from a kick in the ass, <laughs> um, you know, can can just take a page from that and have two people with diametrically opposed worldviews be decent human beings. Right. Maybe maybe that maybe if more people started their day out like that, the world would be a better place, too. And the world would be a better place for you. It's like a commercial for this podcast. What song is that? (laughs) Uh, Annie Annie Lennox. Uh, It's Annie Lennox. And oh, what's his name from? um, It was the uh, it was the title. Not the title, but it was the it was the song from the ending credits of the movie Scrooge with Bill Murray. From the uh, early 1990s, great song. Um, okay, hang on. Let's see. Let's see if AI is on this game. Um, okay, so um, song from title credits of what movie? Scrooge. Okay, let's see if a- uh, chatbots on this or ChatGPT is on this game today. Oh, put a little love in your heart. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yep. Annie Lennox and Annie Lennox and Al Green. Wow, I didn't even put that in there. All I gave it was song from the title credit of the movie Scrooge with Bill Murray, and I, I had tons of misspellings in there. <laughs> All right, Chris, what were you saying? Uh, commercial. <clears throat> Fine, we didn't want to hear from you anyway. He, um, uh, he said something. He said something like it would be a good commercial for the for your podcast. Something like yeah, like when, when Michael was saying like, "Oh, it's a good way to start the morning." <laughs> yeah, and uh, I would even I would even go as far I, I would even go far enough to say that like I, you know, I started my morning about an hour or so ago, and here I am, like I am many mornings, except when you know that pesty little thing called work gets in my way uh you should really fix that yeah i'm working on it, it <laughs> i'm working on it but yeah i cut it, it's funny i got a i got a um um a back channel message from somebody where is it i won't i won't tell you who it's from but it was another one of those messages of just curious what i'm gonna i'm gonna read it uh i'm gonna read the messages without telling you who it is so the message goes just curious why you spend so much time in nate's room my answer for good conversation. His response: I need to ask how you do that. I find Nate and Chris, uh, to, uh, Nate and Chris's Christianity to be to be absolutely bonkers. <clears throat> My response: I exercise a great deal of charity, but generally we get along. Uh, it's been a long road, though. Uh, th- their response: God bless you. I need to learn. Uh, I need to learn from your charity. Um, and then, yeah, then there's just a little, you know, like thanks, whatever, blah blah blah. Sweet. If we guess it, will you tell us who it was? <laughs> uh, um, no, I don't share. No, I don't. I know I won't share. I won't share the message from. Hey, that is good moral atheism without a belief in a god or gods espousably. Th- that is some good ethics, my friend. Congratulations. Yeah, it, it just uh, it, it's funny. I feel like if and it's funny that's it's for those same reasons that I wouldn't remember when I had when I told you my ring doorbell cam picked up. Uh, Mormons a bunch of months ago. Oh yeah, yeah. 
it's for those same reasons why I wouldn't share that. Like, it's just, it's, I think it just, I think it crosses a, an ethical line that I, I don't, I don't like to get close to. Wow. You should spend more time in some of the atheist doors I've darkened in the last couple of days. They could use some of your ethics and morality without the claim of a God or gods. It's funny. It's funny. You know, I, you know, if you swab my head too much, I won't be able to get up my door later. So careful. Um, <laughs> but it, it really, it's, it's not rocket surgery. Like it's really not, it's, it's really pretty simple. Like it's really pretty simple stuff. Um, it's, uh, you know, like, um, uh, one of the lines, you know, from the Bible, right. You know, do unto others, right. Which long predates the Bible. It actually comes from the code of Hammurabi. Um, it, it, you know, like you, you can start with, you know, start with, with that. You don't necessarily start with that verbatim as a, uh, as a starting point, but, um, it, using something like that and, it's like, uh, are you familiar with the philosopher John Rawls? Um, no. So he, oh yeah, <laughs> sorry, silly question. Are you familiar with the philosopher? <laughs> um, but it, anyway, it's, sorry, that sounded, that sounded pompous too. But uh, anyway, this philosopher John Rawls, he had this concept called the veil of ignorance. And what it basically stated was, you know, whenever you're designing a society or something like that, you, you put everything in place, not knowing whether you're going to be the king or the street sweeper, right? So it's the best way to guarantee equality for everybody, right? Because, you know, like, and this is one of the things that that political structures in, all, in almost everywhere get wrong, right? The people in power forget that they were the one, forget that they were once the ones who weren't the ones in power. And I think sometimes they don't do everything from a, from a, Hey, let's, you know, let's put ourselves in these people's places to, you know, before we make these rules. And, you know, here's my first grenade of the morning. Like, for example, hmm. um, you know, universal healthcare would be a thing in the United States. If the, if the CEOs of the insurance companies that ran everything weren't the CEOs of the insurance companies that ran everything. Uh, maybe or unquestionably Chris. Yeah, I don't think so. I mean, like, I would vote against universal health care a hundred times out of a hundred because I think it's horrible. And I think that, that it's a recipe for hurry up and die slave. I think that's what it is. Have you ever lived with universal health care? No, but I know tons of people who have. And I also know that the Canadian health care system fails on a regular basis. Um, you know, so including personally with so, yeah, we've yeah. we've jumped off this bridge a bunch of times, but anyway, yeah. yeah so like, yeah, we you know, so but we can take it from you know another, but we can take it from you know the you know uh, laws. We can take it from uh, like so. Um, for example, one of the things that used to be a thing in the in the in the eighties in uh, in Toronto specifically was uh, rent control, and this will send this will send unfettered capitalists jumping off bridges. And but, my wheelhouse and yeah. stuff. <laughs> So, so there used to be this thing called rent control, which was designed to make it so that basically housing was affordable. So again, I'm going back to the 80s. So um, in the city of Toronto, a bachelor apartment could not be more than $400 a month. And then, and then the, the way it went was basically you could charge $150 per month per bedroom of that, that, that an apartment had. And that was, the, that was it. 
that was it. You could, it was illegal to charge more than that. Um, it, it made this, it made Toronto, uh, accessible to, to many more people. There were still people in abject po- poverty that still suffered. And that's why we had social, social safety nets to still, uh, take care of them. So they could still live in the, within the city. Um, but now by contrast, yes, I'm, you know, I know we're talking about, uh, you know, a great deal of time, but, uh, one of our, one of our, our dear friends, my wife and I, dear friends, she lives in downtown Toronto. She has a one bedroom condo. Her rent is $2,700 a month. That's more than my mortgage. Yeah. Yes. That's the, okay. So do we actually want to do the, the thing? No, can we not? Right. I'm going to do the thing. I'm, gonna I'm, do the I'm salivating Steph. Do it. Take, take control <laughs> of the room Steph. Take it. So the other thing that rent control does is it prices out private owners and makes it so that the government buys up massive swaths of housing and then what we see are projects which historically fail 100% of the time, right? So because they're not being managed and people go without refrigerators and heat and running water forever. So rent-controlled cities have, and, and they still exist. Like, I'm, I didn't know Toronto wasn't anymore. Buffalo and New York City still are, right? Those are the only two cities in New York State that have adopted rent control. So we can see what happens when rent control comes into a place, private investors and mom and pop, you know, Mr. and Mrs. Smith owning a couple of duplexes on your property can no longer afford to own duplexes on your property. And then the government owns the properties. And then people in abject poverty now have far worse living conditions. So you have opposite ends of the spectrum where, yes, now your friend is paying $2,700 a month. But the people who can't afford $2,700 a month in a non-rent controlled city have far more options to live under mom and pop landlords than they would if it was a rent controlled city. So some of these things, it's like, oh, so terrible that the rent went up, but also really great that we still have private owners and the government didn't take control of all affordable housing in your city. So just a little, just a little tidbit. Yeah. 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 So, I mean, and, and of course, if, if rent control was to be reintroduced, which um, that's one of the things that I look for on a, on a politician's platform to see if they're in favor of it and they generally will get my vote. Um, But you would, you would of course have to adjust right for time. Right. So, so you would, you could never see like in 2023, you could never see a bachelor apartment for 400 bucks a month. It would probably have to be 900, you know, or maybe, a, you know, or maybe a thousand dollars, something like that, just because of the cost of everything. Right. But one of the reasons why we don't see some of the problems, and I'm not saying all, one of the reasons we don't see some of the problems that you mentioned, like, you know, no refrigerator, stuff like that is because of the other social sa- uh, safety nets that are, you know, that are in place in, in Canada. And so that's why those, I'm not saying they don't happen. There are still New York state has the most generous welfare system in the world. It does. Yes. Uh, so, so maybe maybe so I'm, I'm not, I'm not an expert in that for sure. What, what you're saying isn't wrong, Michael, but what happens when you begin to regulate things like this is then you begin to have to regulate so many other things that would have adjusted on their own. So if you have in a small, in a neighborhood, if you have 40 owners that are mom and pop that own like two duplexes each, so each, each person is responsible for four affordable housing units, right? And it's like, then you have a small couple who the person is knocking on their door saying, hey, my refrigerator doesn't work, or hey, I'm not going to pay you rent until you fix this leak in the roof that's coming over my child's bedroom. That is a far better system by all metrics 
than having rent control in 100% of cases. Because once you start controlling for rent and the government comes in and starts subsidizing housing or worse, owning subsidized housing projects, what happens is now you no longer have any place for the tenants to go and uh, you know bang on the door to get these things solved. And so this rent control is bad for poor people. Like if you if you take one thing away from that, and it's because yes, okay, so New York and and uh, one so one of the safety nets that you're describing we have here, right? It's called it's Section Eight. So Section Eight is something that will say, okay, we'll pay your rent, but then uh, the house has to be kept up, right? So if you don't have a refrigerator, then we'll stop paying your rent. Okay, so one of the things I see all the time is that the tenants say, yeah, we're a family of five, we've been living without a refrigerator for a year and. A Sorry. I'll finish this up quickly. We've been living without a refrigerator for a year and a half, okay? And then what happens is Section 8 doesn't have the ability to come in and make sure that that refrigerator actually gets replaced, and there's nobody withholding the rent or making sure that this actually gets done. And so this is just the side effect of having a large government agency come over and take something so important as housing. So the rent actually keeps getting paid, and the out-of-town landlord, who the tenant doesn't even know where to find, or worse, the government authority that's taken over the housing has no incentive and no checkpoints to replace the refrigerator so the people just live with it. And then what happens is they move to their next apartment and then they're devastated because they've lived without a refrigerator and it sucks and they don't care and then they'll destroy the next apartment because they just don't care. And it's a vicious cycle and rent control is bad for poor people. There. Yes. yes. Well, is there any way we can leave that there and move on to something more Jesus-y? Yeah, sure. Oh, yeah, we can Michelle, see. Michelle in the chat is just blowing up, man. She's does she know nuts. you? Like I hear. Yeah. Let's see. No, I don't you know dumb, her at all. Dumb or let's see, Chris, you sound dumb, bro. Don't gaslight. How would he I gaslight just, you? He doesn't know your position. I don't know. I just asked Lord, her. Learn your Bible. Oh, what'd you ask I her? Asked her a question. She's like, Christianity is, you know, horrible. Blah blah blah. I was like, oh, okay. Are you like a? Are you some kind of a pagan? And and my autocorrect made it bacon because bacon <laughs> is delicious. <laughs> And I'm thinking she's probably a Hebrew Israelite, so I think that was like double offensive rather than pagan. So maybe maybe the Lord had my autocorrect in mind at that point. So well, I don't know. Michelle, if you want to come up, I'll, I'll try to keep Chris uh, calm <laughs> like I'm his handler. Oh, I am. Um, yeah, I am the epitome of calm. Feel free to jump on up and goodness, 300 comments. I haven't even been I haven't even been looking. I've been trying to do some work. That'll teach me. Well, and then, uh, I don't I, know. Something's going on with Rabbi, <clears throat> and I, I haven't read too much because I'm driving. So, and I just saw something about like synagogues of Satan, and I really, I really dislike that uh, that appellation. And uh, yeah, this is why I um, never, never look at the chat. Plausible deniability. You've probably got like big projector screens. You're like, oh, you know, I just never read it. <laughs> Michael, Michael's got a command center like set up. Well, no, no don't look at the chat. Are, are all Canadians have command centers. It's it's part of that you know government overlord thing. Oh, that's true. Uh, Hebrew that's how you set the fire over to New York. Street Muppets. So was it just your Michelle way? Of... Was not a Hebrew Israelite. Yes, Chris, no. it is my way. Yeah, I sent the fire. It was it. It was your way to troll Steph. You were just like, ha, Steph, this is for that comment in AAC. I'm going to send the fires over to New York. Uh, Chris, Michelle is asking to see your fruits. Uh, this is a Christian room, Michelle. <laughs> I mean, so show us your yeesh. fruits, Chris. <laughs> I mean, I, got, I think I got an apple in my back pocket somewhere. It's a little uncomfortable. 
Uh, Zach, okay, well, yeah, I'm, I'm trying to... I can't scroll that fast. Oh, what's it, up? Is, yeah, so, like, does, um... I don't know, do you, do you have a problem with the Jewish people or to Abba's question? Can you, like, put that to rest one way or another? Like, are, are Jews the synagogue of Satan or whatever he he's asking if you're saying? I mean, was that the question? I don't know, that's my question. Like, there's too much to scroll through, but it seems like you said something about synagogues, and he seems to be wanting to know if, like, Jews are like cool with you, or they're the problem of all evil in the world, or I don't know. Can you ballpark it? Like yeah, I'd be like, yeah, sure. I'd be like, yeah, I know. You know, Jews are cool for me. Like you know, just like everyone else. There's there's good people. There's bad people of all groups, of all types. Um, I think theologically, you know, they missed the Messiah. They're wrong on that. Sue me. Um, it's just a disagreement. As long as you know they want to be friendly to me, I'll be friendly to them, and I have no problem. That's my stance with pretty much every group and every race on planet earth. Would you agree with that? Or would you be like, no, no, they're evil. Oh, um, I mean, amen. And so, I mean, I'm not going to speak out of context. So if you'll allow me, can I add some context? Um, <laughs> that sounds like it's going to go to uh, Jews are evil. No, no. Um, I, sure. Go, yeah, go ahead. I mean, I, I just like, yeah. if you, I, I don't want to speak if I'm not allowed to speak, you know, so I, I want to be able to speak. Um, to add context, because uh, oh yeah, I'm I'm, I'm not going to like cut people off for for the heck of it. I mean, if you preach like you know four minutes nonstop, I, I may say something. But no, I mean, go ahead and say whatever you want to say. I, I generally would like to know the answer to the question, and it sounds like Abba would like to know your position as well. So yeah, go ahead and speak. Yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, I'm, I'm going to try to keep it like one or two minutes, but um, I do have like four or five sentences to so, say. Um, no, for the, for, so one, I want to start out, like, you know, we don't know each other, but I'm Zach, I, and so for context for me, I believe in the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, so, you know, that identifies me, I'm a disciple of Jesus Christ, a little bit about me, um, in the in the context of the chat, to get to the question, the source of that was branched off of me making the statement, well, Michelle made the statement that, like, the Sunday buildings that people will visit aren't the church, the body is. And so I was agreeing with her. I was like, yeah, um, something that I've started doing recently because the body or the bo the church is our fellow believers, you know, um, but as, as stated by the Bible. And then I was uh, echoing off of that and saying that something that I've started doing personally for myself is I've started articulating those buildings as nonprofit organizations or synagogues just for my own walk, you know, in, in my own sanctification and journey in my own experience. Um, not saying anyone needs to do that, but I've made some connections biblically that persuades me in my perspective to do that um, and so forth and, and to remain the church as the body of believers. So that's, that's the statement I made in the chat. And then, um, Abba was asking, Abba just asked synagogues question mark and then, or, or something like that. And then I responded, uh, synagogues of Satan question mark, or I, I think I said that, or maybe I just said synagogues of Satan. So I just made that statement. And then Abba made the question of, uh, do you mean like the synagogues of Jews or, or something like that? He made the connection to the Jews, which I wasn't saying, but um, to go to expand upon the synagogues of Satan, and we've already quoted Revelation, right? Because I think Chris would mention Revelation 2, and I've been reading Revelation the last couple of days with other brothers and sisters, and so I am not going to share my opinion, 
or I mean, well, whatever. But I, what I will do, because I fully believe that we should be, lead, especially believers, disciples of Jesus Christ, uh, believing the life of Jesus Christ, we should lead out with the Bible. Um, you shouldn't believe Zach. I, I agree. You shouldn't believe me. Um, and then if you want to believe God, then you can. If you don't, that's your free will. Like you can not believe God too. There's a lot of people that do. Um, so anyways, Revelation 3 talks, well, and there's two actually places, if not more, that talks about the synagogue of Satan in reference. And so the Bible says um, in Revelation 3, and this is out of context, I admit, because I don't like reading it, just one or two verses. I like to read the whole letter. But um, behold, I give, so Revelation 3 verse, oh, maybe verse 8 and 9 or just 9. Um, so I know your works, you've been open the door. Okay. I'll just start at eight and then anyways, but nine, nine, I think has the, has the reference, but revelation chapter three, verse eight, I know your works behold, I give. And again, this is, this is the angel saying to the church of, of Sarda, write these things, um, or write these things to the angel of the, of the church of Sarda. But verse eight, I know your works behold, I have given a door being opened before you and no one is able to shut it. For you have little power and have kept my word and not and have not denied my name. Verse nine, behold, I give out of the synagogue of Satan. So that's, you know, that's my reference. It wasn't of Zach. It was of the Bible. And I just put synagogue of Satan question mark. So behold, verse nine, behold, I give out of the synagogue of Satan, those saying themselves to be Jews and they are not, but they lie. Behold, I will make them come and bow down before your feet, and they shall know that I loved you, uh, because you have kept my word of my patience. Um, and I mean, I could go on, but the reference of Satan, uh, synagogue of Satan, was just in that verse. Um, and then I think it's also maybe in chapter two or in chapter four reference a second time. But I mean, I'll I'll stop there and see like where you want to go with it. Well, yeah, just to clarify, um, so let's see, Abba says, if you use the term, term synagogue of Satan, uh, well, earlier he asked why you call it synagogues, like when you're talking about nonprofits or organizations, he said, if you're not talking about synagogue, why use the term synagogue? But then uh, that that is gone now. But he says, uh, let's see, if you use the term synagogue, you're talking about Jews. So Zach does have something against Jews because the Bible tells him so. Got it. Um, I'll just answer that for you, unless you want to correct me because I've got you all wrong. But I would say, no, if we're talking about a synagogue, that doesn't mean we're talking about all Jews. Um, Amen. It can't. Yes. Um, be, because, I, I mean, Abba may disagree, because, I mean, you know, Jesus, Jew, first Christians, Jews, many, many converts to follower of the Messiah, Jews. So if you say at that point, you know, they're, they're you know, spiritually not Jews because they've, they've blasphemed or ran away from their religion um, I, or some other way you would say that that doesn't make them Jews. I wouldn't say that. And I, I don't think, I mean, you know, I, I think we've talked about this before. I've been, um, you wouldn't say it either because if you're a Jew it, it, by religion, by birth, by, by race, whatever. Um, so I wouldn't say that, but if somebody wanted to argue and say, no, no, if you're talking about real Jews, um, those are only the ones that are adherent and, and they go to the synagogue. I would say that's not me. Um, so if we talk about a synagogue, that would include some Jews who go to synagogue, um, but it certainly wouldn't include all Jews. It can't. Um, like the people who are followers, they're like, no, we're Jews. We also follow Jesus. Um, anyway, so would you yeah, agree with that, Zach, or would you say I, no? I, I, I would like to the opportunity to expand on my use of synagogue. Absolutely. 
Um, and I, I, yeah, my use of synagogue in 2023 in my recent articulations and what's what I believe has been revealed to me, praise God, is, is that I go, my use of the word synagogue and my persuasion to articulate the, the nonprofit organization synagogues uh, in 2023 is this. When I look at the Acts account and me personally being a disciple of Jesus Christ, I read the Gospels and I read the Acts account and I try to, um, I try to live that way um, in, in how it's described in the disciples of Jesus Christ and how they multiplied from the, the preaching of the Gospel or the spreading of the Gospel. Anyways, with that said, I make an observation when I read the Acts account and that observation is this, that the apostles or the disciples would meet house to house and live life together every day of the week and um, testify and, and, and talk about the gospel and, and edify each other and love each other well, and they had everything in common. But then what did they do in the geographical locations of, that they were in, um, local to those locations, there was a place that the local community would meet every Sabbath day or what they recognized as the Sabbath day. And the book of Acts articulates those places as synagogues. And so for me, when I take a step back and look at uh, the world in 2023, and I'm, and I'm taking the, the filter of Acts and placing it over the world, I'm looking at my, I mean, I'm looking at uh, even the non-denominations and saying, well, are they living life together every day? And, and is everything in common and all like that, like the book of Acts? Or are they just visiting this building on what they recognize as a Sabbath day. And again, I'm not prescribing this for everyone. This is just something that's been revealed to me personally that I have been currently persuaded into my perspective. But I'm leveraging the book of Acts. And, I, and I, again, like I said, I, I'm looking at 2023 through the lens of Acts. And I'm like, man, I want to be the body, me personally, I want to be the body of, of Christ in the ways that I live every day um, walking with my brothers and sisters and loving my brothers and sisters and having everything in common and just edifying each other and encourage and, and, um, and so forth. And I don't want to be the person um, that just visits the, the, or, or I guess I, the, the, there's not, the, yeah. the, for me that there's a link to say uh, that the local community just visits the local, the local nonprofit organization. And, and that's where I am currently persuaded to, to be all acceptable to articulate it as the synagogue, but to say it, if it has any specific connection or requirement of a Jewish people or a Jewish belief, absolutely not. I think, um, yeah. So, so yes, I, I think you understand me correctly. And I, I appreciate the uh, opportunity to elaborate on <laughs> on my statement. Sure, and, and let me. Yeah, I, I appreciate the that. Um, but let me just like button this up, and then we'll move on to to something else. Um, anything else? But I mean, it's kind of like you know, talk about synagogue of Satan. Uh, you know, it's it's like a term, and you use it in defining terms as important. Like earlier, we defined when we use the term that Jezebel. It clearly means Steph. Um, hopefully, she can't speak right now to defend herself. Oh, but, I um, can. No. <laughs> <laughs> but, but but clearly it means like you know this certain this certain spirit so not someone named jezebel not not this type of person but but a very uh, spirit attitude characteristics of this person 
Um, in, anyway, so, and Ab, I know you'll disagree with this because you did disagree with it, but, you know, defining terms is important. So if you want to, like, correct us or, you know, suggest this different terminology you would like us to use, I will consider it. Can't promise, but I'll consider it. But, uh, I mean, you know, again, no dog in what I'm about to say, but from people I have spoken with and do know, um, even though I think they consider me the synagogue of Satan, <laughs> and that's how they define that term for them, um, but, but, you know, people who, who consider themselves like, I, I think you may say Messianic Jews or, or whatever the, the popular culture term is, those people, uh, you know, when you talk about it, um, they would say they even may identify themselves as Messianic Jews they have. But when you really get down to it, it's like, no, they consider themselves true Jews, just like, you know, just like back in the day, like right before Jesus, right? How everyone who was Jewish didn't have a Messiah to follow. So like they, they would consider themselves Jewish in that way. They followed the law. They followed everything. Everyone was, I mean, you know, there was never total agreement, but the big stuff, right? The, the stuff you would say makes them Jewish. That's them. Well, then when Jesus came, they recognized him as the Messiah, and they would say, they have said, I'm just a parrot at this point, um, that, you know, they, they didn't leave Judaism. They continued Judaism. The prophecy was fulfilled. They recognized Jesus as the Messiah. Therefore, they may use the term Messianic Jew, so people get what they're saying, they get their, their viewpoint, but in their hearts, like, you know, they, they really consider themselves true Jews. They just followed the law all the way up, you know, Torah, Jesus, they just progressed and got the full revelation. So, I mean, you know, I, I know you would disagree, you have disagreed, but those people just parroting our conversations, they still consider themselves very much true, real Jews in every sense of the word. They just feel like traditional Jews who don't recognize Jesus as the Messiah need to catch up um anyways so that's that's just to give everyone's a fair viewpoint i have zero dog in this fight everyone repent and believe the gospel um steph would you like to uh amen you like to say anything? <laughs> uh no i i'm watching this with interest i also have i'm yeah glad that i'm not in oh well, i mean i think we've we've buttoned it up as much as we can thanks jezebel you're welcome. Uh, I do want to know if Michelle thinks she's a Jew, since she thinks Abba is not a Jew. So Wait, I'm curious. Should we play well, the Adam Sandler right. song? Not so, a Jew. So I'm hey, curious if she would say, I don't know anything about her, would she say, Steph, absolutely, no, I'm not a Jew. I'm a spiritual believer of Christ. Okay, well, that answers one question. She said, like, Hebrew Israelites were, like, like fakeolites or something. So, I mean, it, it seems like she doesn't oh, have uh, love for Hebrew Israelites either. I don't know. I invited her up. I guess uh, I guess we'll never know. Uh, for the record, Abba, I 100% believe that you are a Jew and do not need paperwork to see so. But, um, yeah, right, that was we're my thought. We're not going to yeah. ask for your papers. There's not going to be anybody with a German accent saying papers, please. Oh, my goodness. Wow, never a dull, never a dull moment in here. Woo! Michael, back to you. What do I say after that? That took a dark turn, man. Holy crap. <laughs> yeah. Victoria, what's up? How how's your uh, day going? Um just listening. Um sorry. Um there's a lot going on, Nate. You're handling it well. Am I? <laughs> yeah, so many different topics. Uh D, I, I saw you had your hand raised a while ago. I sent you an invite. Uh Let's see. Oh, David, I see you too there. Uh... Yeah, yeah, Nate is the epitome today of it. You know that uh, that meme of a dog 
sitting in the room where everything's on fire saying it's fine, it's fine. <laughs> Wait, Michelle. What's up, David? Michelle, the Bible saying prove all things does not apply to a rabbi proving he's a Jew. I don't think that's just my, I don't think that applies there at all. Um, Mr. Todd, what's up? What's or, wait, up? no, David, David first, sorry. What's up? David. David, what's up, man? Hey, guys. Uh, blessings on the entire body of Christ, every member. Thank you for your function. Thank you for you. Uh, thank you for you. Uh, fulfilling your purpose in Christ. Um, I just want to, I just want to make everyone aware of, you know, the full revelation of Jesus Christ. It's good news for us. It's the healing of the nations, the end of every curse, but to some among us, the it's dad among us, the sweet. Yeah. The sweet. Oh, wait, I haven't talked to him yet. <laughs> yeah. Hang on, Chris. I haven't talked. I haven't met David yet. Oh, yeah. Continue David. Great. Okay, David. So the sweet aroma of knowledge of God and the, and the triumphant procession of good news is to the living like a sweet aroma of life. It brings life. To the dead, it's the stench of death. And so this testimony might stink to some of you guys, but hopefully it can also resurrect you on your acceptance of this. Um, it's that cannabis is sanctified on, by David, the word David, of God. I'm just curious real quick before you start. Is that your mugshot in your PTR? I don't know if it's a mugshot or a glamour shot. Steph. It's a mugshot, isn't it? They're right? not mutually exclusive. Uh, <laughs> so, David, I, David, I, I haven't met you, um, and you know I like the conversation. Um, but how long? Like, I'd like to hear your pitch, but I mean, how long is it? Like, we we only have so much. Can you do it in like two minutes? Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm just I mean I'm just wrapping up the presentation here. Uh, cannabis okay, is is uh it's prominently featured in the Word of God. And it's and and, and what we what we're dealing with is a, a mistranslation in the Septuagint that's been handed down, which obscures the identity of the tree of life, like the the most important plant that we have, where it's sanctified by the Word of God. This has been obscured to us. So what we can do though now with all the uh, tools of linguistic science, we can really approach the text uh, um, in wisdom. And now we, we have the ability to produce for the first time ever since the word came out, for the first time in English, for example, a clean copy of the Bible, which we can unite under this true testimony. I'm talking about the reunification of the church under this true testimony for the healing of the nations is what the science says we can do. Science says it's doable. Revelation 22. Okay, so when you say um, so many questions, um, don't answer these. these. These are just the ones I want to ask. Um, so are you saying the tree of life is weed? Um, and then the next question is, are you saying by unification of the, whatever you said, the church or all that? Like, do you mean like all denominations, like Catholics, Protestants, like all Orthodox? Like th those are the two questions. So I guess um, as quick as you can, is the tree of life weed? Yeah. Uh, question one. So, I am, okay, talk so I am talking about the reunification of the entire body of Christ under the true testimony. And okay. when I, and it says in Revelations, the trees of life in Greek, that it's plural, the trees of life are for the healing of the nations. In some translations, it renders the trees of life will be used as medicines to heal the nations. So we're talking about a bodily healing and with material medicines, but also wisdom, according to the proverb, she is a tree of life. So what we're talking about for the healing of the nations is applying all the medicines, prominently cannabis, because the medical science says it's a dietary essential, the most medicinal plant we have. Applying all the medicines according to the wisdom of creator, 
is for the healing of the nations. That's how I read Rev 22. Okay, so I guess my, my first just thought, I'm, I'm not going to really push back too hard. It <laughs> sounds like Chris is coming to the ears. Come on, but, um, I'm loving this. Well, it, it sounds like if the tree of life is weed, to your first point, I mean, you know, Willie Nelson does a, does a pretty good presentation of that. I mean, that guy's probably going to live forever. Um, but without the exception of him, um, if the goal is eternal life, the tree of life, I don't see how it could be weed because you can smoke all the weed you want. You're still going to expire and die. Um, so, I mean, unless we're saying like the, Not like pot gives someone, enough. you just haven't. Okay. Enough. Okay. Well, that's your claim. Um, get started on proving it. So, I mean, that would be my first real question is how could it be the tree of life? Because we're eventually going to die, presumably, no matter how much you smoke. Um, and then as far as reunifying the church, um, I, I don't see how, um, you know, a peace pipe could heal some of these divisions between Catholic and Orthodox and Protestants. Um, I, I, you know, never say never, but I just think they would bring back burning people at the stake before they'd pass that pipe. Um, anyway, that, I mean, that's not to push back too hard, but that's just kind of my first thoughts. Yeah, well, I mean, we worship in spirit and in truth. So I like to appeal to science. I believe science reveals the face of God to us if we uh, understand it in Christ. And so smoking weed, right, it, it, uh, it's not the most uh, medicinal way to apply cannabis to our physiology. Um, if you want to get into eternal life, like we could look at John 6 and see what the true food and the true wine is all about, what, what eternal life is, we can actually get into that. So some people might say that the, the spiritual aspects of cannabis does bring eternal life on the eternal plane. But if you want to talk about bodily healing, you know, like uh, uh, optimum health, that is what cannabis offers, according to the science, if we if we consume it properly. So oral consumption is the most medicinal way to flood your bloodstream with cannabinoids. And the most cutting edge medical science is describing cannabis as akin to essential fatty acids, as the oh. most important dietary element, as a dietary essential, without with without which we fall into disease. And with in our diets, we, we take better care of our children. It's good for maternal care. It prevents endocannabinoid system deficiency diseases as well. Just by having it in our diet and taking it out of our diet slowly starves us to death, keeps us spiritually blind. And it's why there's, and, and this is why there's no balm in Gilead today is because the lying scribes of Jeremiah 8, 8 remove cannabis from the Bible at the time of the Septuagint. This is why we're materially starving and suffering and in sickness I, because I, we've been starved as well. I've had enough, guys. Uh, <laughs> this is... Oh, okay. Come on. This guy. Okay. Uh, hang on, Tippy, one second. I just have one... Fine, I, I just have... Uh, uh, yeah, Tippy, no, I want to... I'm going to come... And this is... You got to understand. Yeah, okay, okay, hang on, hang on. Tippy, Tippy I'm going to come to you and I'm going to come to Tippy in like one minute. Um, Tippy, so hang on one minute. I want to hear what you have to say. I haven't talked to you in a while. I just have one more back and forth for, for Dave. And then, you know, after Tippy talks, we, we can do whatever you stick around, Dave. But um, my last just thought would be, I hear what you say. Um, are, I don't know where you stand on Tommy Chong, peace be upon him. But what are your thoughts about him warning people about the recent dangers of CBD? Um, so there could be a fair amount of marketing because he has a better CBD or a pure way or something like that. Or he's just like, nah, bro, THC all the way. But, um, you know, he is pushing back pretty hard um, as one of the like, you know, very big pioneers in not necessarily the religious aspects of pot, but just general use. So he's come out with a lot of like, I, I can't think off the top of my head, you could Google it, Tommy Chong warning about CBD 
what would you think about that? Like, it's a pretty big proponent of weed, historically speaking, that seems like uh, CBD is, he, he has an issue with. Are, are you familiar with any of that? So I'm not familiar with his issue with CBD, but I am familiar with that. He uh, got rid of his prostate cancer with cannabis. So let's not forget that. But I will look into what he has to say about CBD. I haven't heard too much negative reporting in the science on it, but we'll take a look. But what I want to stress is that cannabis is sanctified by the word of God, prominently so. In the book of Exodus 30, it's 30 featured seconds. twice in this chapter, once on the altar of incense, which the archaeologists founded on the altar of incense <laughs> tell a couple years ago. And again, it's not even funny. It's like the word of God. It's and totally it's funny. Tradition that we need to restore. It's also in the anointing oil of Exodus 30, 23. And so if you understand what it means to be the anointed one, that's direct reference to the anointing oil, which contains cannabis. Therefore, you find cannabis healing, that whole teaching, the whole teaching of medicine in oh. Jesus' name. Okay, Dave. All right. Well, thanks for that. Stick around. Uh, we can come back to you. I just want to go to Tippy and some of the other people that have been patiently waiting. Um, yeah, and I wish I would have known you were going to show up with this conversation. I, I would have tried to like, you know, get the get the article. I mean, there's a couple of them, but uh, yeah. So Tommy Tommy Chong talks about the the it's like the warnings or the dangers of CBD. Um, I mean, I, I couldn't imagine he's like anti pot. So maybe he's like, forget CBD. It's bad because of reasons. Go straight THC. I, I don't know. I haven't read. Uh, I haven't. Um, read in depth but i i saw that headline and um anyways so tippy what's up tippy it's been a while how are you doing for the love of pete this guy is obsessed with marijuana <laughs> that's 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 an issue you, you're it's your idol um so tippy <laughs> tippy i just think it's hilarious that like somebody who deals with muslims on a daily basis you hit your limit with him like really <laughs> <quick>. <laughs> It's not that. It's listen. I have a problem. I have a problem with liars. Oh, I have a a problem with liars. That's that's my thing. Is the word of God a lie? Because it's in the word of God. No, what I think is that is when you say that in Revelation twenty-two verse two that the word is trees. That's a lie. It's and I actually posted this in the chat. It's a nominative, neutered, singular, singular. It's a singular noun. It's not plural, so I don't know where you got your information from, but I, I think that you you lack some, um, and it might be because of the pot. Like, I don't I'm know. Crying. I, mean, I am crying. <laughs> so you have to understand, it was a scene from that 70s show, and he was sitting around with the boys in the basement, and uh, that's where he got that. It's, it's ridiculous. So it's, it's yeah. really well, what's ridiculous is the is the the level of mind control that we're under about this. It's oh, the spirit wow. of the antichrist is upon us about this. Because we're slandering the name of a good plant that God it's gave us to. Anti-cannabis. The name of a good plant. I can't. Um, um, well, David, I, I, hang on. Since uh, well, Tippy, I gave you a chance, and you <laughs> you kept it on this topic, so I blame you. Uh, we'll we'll give you another chance in a, in a minute. But David, uh, so okay, the part about like you know sorcery and pharmacology and stuff like that. Um, would you say like like it's generally understood that let's just start with like hard, hardcore drugs, right, or hallucinogens or pharmaceuticals that really uh, lower someone's inhibitions, defenses, like knock them off their rocker. So spiritually, it's traditionally kind of understood that that can make them susceptible to like evil spirits or demons or, or like open some nasty gateways that you may have a hard time shutting if ever. Um, would you at least agree that far and just say like pot is definitely not in that category, but I agree with like, you know, hard stuff or things that could like make you lower your defenses or spiritual gateways or would you say no, all of it's fine, totally like, you know, go do some lines and trip. 
Um, or, or would you say you, you agree with that kind of traditional understanding, but pot in no way, shape or form is it, that's talking about a completely different issue. So w would you kind of agree with that understanding about like really hard drugs or medicines um, could do that? So I would appeal to the science and see what these things are good for and bad for and uh, use them according to the wisdom of creator. Uh, that's one way we could approach it. We could also understand that Christ declared all foods clean, actually. Well, and if you look at one, be, ingest all ingestibles wouldn't necessarily be food. Like just because you ingest it, I would say that you'd have a hard time yeah, saying ingestibles are always oh, food. Man. Well, the true food of yeah. John six, right? The Eucharist itself. This was described down in the sacred tradition as the form. Are you Catholic? I was, tell me I was yes. brought up in the church. I was brought up in the church, and I'm trying to restore the orthodoxy to the church and unite oh. everyone under one church again. You know, yes. you oh my God, your poor parents! Able... I'm so sad you... for your mom. No, but Steph, he may be able to actually do this. I think that the Pope would probably be down with a lot of his theology. I think he'd. Be oh down. my gosh, if you uh, okay, David? I, I just looking around the world. You talked about mind control, and there's probably a lot of things we would actually agree on. Probably Steph too. Um, you talked about mind control, and I agree. Like, I was going to bring up, like, ayahuasca, because you said depending on what it was and look at the science. Well, you know, a lot of the global leaders, especially, like, you know, CIA people and stuff like that, like, they'll testify that, you know, they um, – not, like, testify church, but, like, testify, like, Congress or, like, you know, in, in meetings. Um, uh, declassified stuff that will say they took trips and they, they did, like, ayahuasca and all these things, and that eventually led one to another, which is why now we have people in government saying – that aliens exist because they like were able to contact these interdimensional entities and they were able to have experiences with them and um that they attribute that back to the beginning stages of making contact was due to ayahuasca um for example so i'm wondering if, if all of this other stuff going to what chris said now I mean, I guess that wasn't really scientific, but that's like declassified stuff that our, our top leaders in our government are admitting. So I don't know. But um, if you wanted to reunite this, the Pope's having like his, you know, LGBT tour this summer in his convention to find out how the Catholic Church can be more inclusive because he wants unity, like you say. So he's trying to um, – I'm sure you're familiar with that. Like they're having this uh, year-long discussion. And at the end of a year, it's going to culminate in like 20, the beginning of 2025, I think, or end of 2024, maybe next summer, about how they can be more inclusive to the LGBTQIA, BIPOC, Two-Spirit, PS, plus people, and also um, women in their ministry. If you approach it from that angle with weed, that would be like the best shot you have to Chris's point. So if you just say, hey, guys, weed is going to unite us, they'll probably turn you down. But if you say, hey, man. LGBT, PS, let's bring it all together, and weed is going to help us unite and be inclusive. That's a message you should take to the Vatican. Uh, but where, where do we see that, though? Like, because... Um, oh, it's totally uh, Satan, we don't. I'm just saying to help this point. Uh, no, I mean, like, um, the, the Pope uh, has issued warning to, like, the German church or any churches that is actually um, marrying people who are in the LGBT community. Oh, oh I mean, this is an article I, this is an article I will get. Um, let's see. I don't know if I'm going to be able to find it this fast, but it, it was an article I saw. I, I, it's like all over the press. You should be able to find it. Like uh, do something like Pope issues. Uh, okay. Here it is. Um, 
from PBS. If it's from PBS, <laughs> you know it's not a conservative place. Anyways, uh, uh, this this may not be the right one, but um, okay. Catholics call for Vatican to embrace women in leadership. LGBT community uh, report says. Um, Let's see, the Vatican on Tuesday released, uh, yeah, this is it, released um, a report saying there's going to be a two-year consultation process, so two years, so maybe 25, 26, um, publishing a, a document that will form the basis for discussion for meeting uh, bishops and lay people in October. The Synod known is uh, a key priority for Pope Francis, reflecting on a vision of the church that's more uh, inclusive. Yeah, so that's it. So you could just Google like Pope Francis calls or, or um, I can't post this link because it's on, I found it on my computer, not my phone. But Pope Francis uh, convenes council to be more inclusive of LGBT people. And it'll bring up all the articles. So, so, so that, this is the where. difference between learning what the actual facts are and listening to propaganda. But I, I agree with Victoria. Like there was a time. Um, when yeah, there was like German German priests that were like getting in trouble for, you know, for being like inclusive of LGBTQIA, um, and Pope Francis like condemned that or, or at least gave some pushback. But that was in the past. Even if it was like two months ago, past it was in the past. This is what's currently happening. You guys, right. a, he's a not going to order. expel the German bishops. Oh, David, what? Sorry, quick point of order. Trees of Life in Greek is No, actually, it's not. I'm looking at the Greek right now. <laughs> and David, if you don't speak Greek, you probably shouldn't deal with somebody who does um, and then, you know, try to disagree with them. It's usually a bad idea. So, Nate, can you check your back channel? Oh, uh, yeah. So, uh, so anyway, back to the, the German bishops. They will not be thrown out. And this has been my prediction. And here is my challenge to any Roman Catholics out there. If you disagree with the German bishops and then the Pope affirms them or ignores them in 2024, as is the Roman Catholic position on this app, that they will be thrown out of the church, that the that the that all of the German bishops, this is what I have heard from Roman Catholic apologists on Clubhouse and Roman Catholic laity on Clubhouse, is that the Pope will discipline and throw out the German bishops who have been performing gay marriages in Germany, which is, by the way, all of them. Um and uh, when this doesn't happen, will you renounce your papism? Papism, because you'll realize that the pope is pope is false. It will will people be willing to actually follow through, or they cope and make up excuses? Well, Chris, one of the things that happened from the Reformation or the the Church that learned from that is to is to reform from within and to. Uh, like for example, like the certain uh, certain things that was a concern for Martin Luther, they they did let go of of it and they did apologize about it. But the thing is, it um and, and to not make the same mistake with the you know German church, they they have issued warning. They have sort of uh you know told them and gave them time to like repent. And so to follow through with that, to give them time, like, like Christ has given us time to repent, right? So similar to that, like, I would see it similar to that, that it's being So we give them bearing. decades, we give them hundreds of years, like a thousand years? So like what's It's fine? two years. <laughs> two years? Okay, so two years. So my question stands, when the Pope either ignores them 
or again, this is my prediction. Remember, your Roman Catholic friends that have been lying to you have told you that, you know, that the, oh, the German bishops are going to be kicked out, blah, 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 blah. Um, when that doesn't happen, will you be willing to know that you were wrong and to know that the Pope is false? Well, yes or no? See, if, Chris, if they, if the more, more than trying to save, yeah, but more than trying to severe, like, uh, 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 or excommunicate with the passion, it is about having the mindset that the Bible talks about. It is the will of God to see everyone be saved. And to come from that that perspective instead of like very like you know trigger happily excommunicate people because we like want to like push and Alexander or like the um, Jezebel woman in Revelation two twenty or like any of the other numerous biblical examples of the church performing quick discipline. Um, I mean, it doesn't me? take well, two years. Can you catch me up real quick? Because um, I, I was trying to answer some text too. But Victoria, are you? I, I know when I last heard, we were talking about the Catholic Church and the the. I think you were saying they were being inclusive, or uh, they were kind of condemning the gay bishops or whatever, um, in light of this convention coming up. But then did it switch to why Chris is so quick to say people are heretics or cast them out of the church? Um, that is that. Do I got that right? Am I following it? Because I'd say like you know most of the uh, I think like one person in the Nazi campaign, surprisingly not Hitler, was actually excommunicated by the Catholic Church. And the reason, like they had all the reasons required for excommunication, but they never even actually excommunicated Nazis. So would you say, who had death on their hands? Um, not just like the Nazis that didn't, but the Nazis that did. So would you say that's a little bit too much time to repent because they're all dead now? Um, Maybe they should have excommunicated them a little sooner because they still haven't. Well, okay, uh, I probably I, <laughs> I probably need to look into that particular uh, thing, but like I I could speak on behalf of like the Ger German and the Reformation because I, I spoke to the priest uh, in in direct relation to that, but with regards to the Hitler. Or and the Nazi thing, I need to probably like look into it before I say anything on it. Um, but yeah, I think to to um, be forbearing and love and 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 see that people will repent and come to Christ. I think that would be a position for any layman to take. And and when it comes from an authority point of view, from the seat of Peter or what the Pope is being called, that I would probably entrust with God. So the answer to the question is, when the Pope affirms the gay marriage priests in Germany and says they're totally cool and they're totally fine, your position will be, yes, the Pope is right because he is the Pope and I am no one. Is that what I just heard you say? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, Vic, you, you've been horrendously lied to, and whoever that priest was, please have them. Please have them show me documents where the Roman Catholic Church has apologized for the uh, justification by faith anathemas where it has apologized or has uh, seemed to rescind the anathemas of the Council of Trent, 
show me where, um, you know, in the fifth article of Regensburg, where they were able to come to, oh, wait, no, the Pope spiked that. Yeah, so that priest is either ignorant or lying to you. Well, and it's just horrendous. N- not the Council of Trent. It was, um, I think it was uh, one of those things that they were selling uh, for um, the pur- purgatory. I forgot what it's called. I think it's something with the L. It starts with L. But, so it's uh, indulgences. And so indulgences, they never, sorry, my they bad. They never actually apologized I. for Johann Tetzel selling indulgences, which was Martin Luther's big deal, which kicked off the Reformation. Um, what they did is they said that it was wrong to sell indulgences without repentance. They still actually sell indulgences. They, and you can look this up and you can still do indulgences, um, like climbing the steps of the fourth of the Lateran church in Rome on your knees, get you a million years off of purgatory. Um, you know, again, this is not a Christian faith. This is a pagan faith dressed up in robes. Well, and again, I, it's just, it's, it's heartbreaking. Well, well with the uh, climbing of the stairs and on the knees, uh, I, I don't think that's Catholic. I think that is from the Orthodox tradition, but it's like, the Lateran church in Rome and it's written in Latin. It is not the Orthodox tradition. It is a Roman Catholic tradition. Uh, I, I could probably look into it, but the indulgences uh, was something that the priest did mention that they yeah. don't do it anymore. They well, don't sell yeah, but... them for cash, but they absolutely still have indulgences. You can look it up. It's in the CCC. Yeah, you're they, being they... catechized right now, but you're going to skip that part. Oh, wait, are you, are you Catholic? You're not, you're not Catholic, are you? Yeah, I am. Oh, have you always been? No, wait, that. when did that happen? No, she has left uh, the Christian faith as of a few months. What? Oh, uh, right, Christian. Chris. Okay, hang on. Before Chris damns you to hell, I'm, I'm just saying, like, I, yeah, is it a recent conversion, or I, I didn't realize that. It, yes, sort, sort of. Um, but like, uh, yeah, it, it was, it was a recent one. Oh, yeah. Congratulations, I mean, I guess... Victoria. I'm happy for you. Oh, thank you, Steph. Well, why am, why am I in between? Why am I? Hang on, wait, 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 wait. Why am I in between Chris and Steph always? Is that like every side? You know, between what is it? Every, the answer is like in somewhere in the middle, and I'm always in the middle. <laughs> Anyways, but again, I'm in the middle. Like I'm not ready to damn her to hell, and I'm also not super super thrilled for her. Um, I, I guess you know, for whatever my opinion matters, uh, probably none. Uh, I would just say. Well, what I was going to say a second ago, while I was still looking through Hitler, um, consider this in light of your new, you know, your new found faith. Uh, I'm not like, you know, being super, super condemning, but um, or maybe I am. But um, so out of all the Nazis who, you know, and the, I was trying to read and there's like a bunch of stuff that says, well, you know, some Nazis were, some Nazis weren't, um, you know, and, and it makes it sound like they never wanted, they didn't want to con- um excommunicate all Nazis who didn't have a direct hand in murdering people and stuff like that. But then I'm like, you know what, why don't we skip all this minutia and let's just go to the source. So, you know, freaking Hitler was never excommunicated. And on top of all the other like murder and heinous acts he did, like one of the biggest ones, probably even worse than murder for like, you know, the Catholic church or Christianity is playing with Satan. So, you know, it's well known, like Hitler was in like involved hardcore in the occult you know to like win the war efforts and stuff like that so 
if they won't excommunicate Hitler for being in league with Satan um, and the occult, there has got to be, uh, and of course, I'm not saying all Catholics are bad or stuff like that, but I'm just saying in the power structure, like in the governing body, there has got to be in most generous, um, they had political reasons for not doing it and powerful reasons and things like that, which is also nefarious and bad, like political motivations for not excommunicating him. Because there's no reason when you're in bed with the devil why you should not be excommunicated. Um, he's literally handed himself over to Satan. Um, but then the most nefarious thing is there is actual, <laughs> bear with me, <laughs> occultic, demonic, satanic elements rooted in the government of the Catholic Church. Um, so I'd say from generous to least generous, it's still really, really bad as an institution, right? I'm talking like Vatican, authoritarian, structural government body. Um, anyway, so so all that to say, you know, just maybe recon, uh, not even reconsider, do what you want. But I mean, uh, you know, it's between you and God. Um, but I would say just consider that um, whatever Catholic church you're going to, I know lots of priests and they're great people. They have small little rural church towns. My mother-in-law is Catholic. Her priest is really nice. I haven't seen him in years, but you know, the times I've met him, uh, you know, he's really nice and seems like he just, you know, wants to serve his position and do a good job in the community and stuff like that. Um, I'm sure he has little to no knowledge or he has his way explaining why the Catholic church didn't excommunicate a satanic occultic murderer. Um, so I, I don't want to be mean towards all Catholics, but my problem is the institution, the big government. Um, so I would just say, is that necessary for being a Christian when Jesus says, repent and believe the gospel and you'll be filled with the Holy Spirit that will lead you and guide you into all you know, understanding? Um, I would say less is more. And even if the Catholic Church or institutions are amazing, that's still a bunch of amazing stuff that's unnecessary. Um, anyway, you know do you want to respond or tell me how I suck? Though, Victoria, <laughs> is that the Calvinists, still have not apologized for the slaughter of the Arminians following the Council of Dort, yet we love them anyway. The, so the slaughter? Yeah, there are... Wait, 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 Victoria was gonna... Let's hear what... Wait, 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 wait. Let's hear what... Hang on, wait, wait, wait. Wait, 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 wait. Hang on, hang on. Victoria was about to say something in response, and then we'll let Chris and Steph fight. Victoria, what were you about to say? On topic. Uh, I appreciate that. Uh, I, I just wanted to mention this. Uh, I, I mean, there's something that I came across before I converted to Catholicism, that um, that Hitler was never Catholic. He was, um, I think, his mom was a Catholic, and he was he he had he had renounced. He never went to a Catholic church. He was not confirmed as a Catholic. In order to be confirmed as a Catholic, even if you're baptized as a baby in a Catholic church, you have to be in communion, confess your sins. And 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 uh, be part of um, the communion of um, the Eucharist. So it, there is an ongoing process to be in communion. And and someone who is in communion like that, like for example Joe Biden, when he made some statements about the LGBTQ community, the Pope did uh, warn him about uh, sort of excommunicating him, which is why Joe Biden is still like uh, has, has sort of repented and still continues with it. So there is has there repented. is a process to be in communion with the but church. But he still gets he still gets communion every Sunday, doesn't he? 
Yeah, yeah, and that's when, because he's, when he's repented. Said, no, he has not repented. Are you joking? He was just out yesterday talking about LGBT stuff. Wait, remember when he, grabbed, when he when he grabbed the breast of the the transgender person who was naked? And he like like grabbed their breasts and was sniffing their hair and probably didn't realize they were a, a man. But like that was pretty unseemly. Like that if he was repented, like a like, month ago, he needs to he needs to redo that. He needs to re-repent. Like, I mean, like, this is just all propaganda. Victoria, you need to check your sources because nothing you've said today is even remotely true. Like, no one, nothing you have said has any bearing to reality whatsoever. It is just lies that you have been told. And I'm not blaming you. I'm blaming the demon the worshippers. Uh, um. Yeah, I mean... I I I could look at the sources that you presented, but I I just need to like check it again because there 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 are um there are articles that the church releases on response to like these issues and where the church is actually positioned on those issues uh, and and even though they're they are open to people coming and repenting and being in communion. There are, and the church acknowledges there is faith. There are the faithful and there are the weeds, but like, um, there there is a maintenance of staying in grace that is expected. And 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 and, and also to your point, right, Nate, again, repent and believe horrendous. the gospel. Yeah, Paul's, you don't even know what the gospel is anymore. Oh, hang on, I, I want to hear you gospel. and Steph fight again in a minute. Paul did mention to work out your faith uh, in fear and trembling. So there is yes. a, yeah. So there is something that we have to go through with the process of self-reflection with with Christ, uh, because He is the author of and perfecter of our faith. We are supposed to be persevering in that journey. Well, I mean, with fear and trembling, I think that would be like you know repent believe the gospel follow jesus believe in his death burial resurrection should we for example do what hitler did and say uh, you know i want to win the war i should fight the occult no 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 fear and trembling will keep me from doing that um you know should i uh, do what the bible says and you know um i don't know hook up with like a homosexual dude and polygamy and all this other stuff no no fear and trembling will prevent me from doing that so um i mean maybe, maybe you take that the same way but i mean in my head i hear that as a call to to kind of like adherence to scripture and adherence to Jesus um, is primarily how I hear that. But uh, Steph, um, and then I'm gonna have to run, but I want to hear you and Chris fight. So Chris, uh, you you on behalf of your Calvinism have never apologized for murdering people after uh, Dort. Yeah, no one no one murdered anybody after Dort. You're gonna have to post a source. Um, Sources, Steph. You know, yeah, the, the, like the, that's just silly. The Catholic Church went ahead and murdered millions of people, um, you know, during the Reformation. But you know, we're gonna we're gonna skip that part. Uh, Steph, why, why do I think I feel like I, I just like, uh, do the thing? Uh, but Cathedoxy yeah, after Dort, there was just, silencing and slaughtering of tens. Like it wasn't obviously we're not comparing it to the Holocaust, but there was never an apology for all of the Armenians who opposed. Uh, you know, again, or, that they were silenced again, and killed. I would love to see which Arminians were killed at what point and what their names were. Yeah, I can send that, that to you. So the point happened. is that if you're going to point a finger at Catholics and say they never, you know, 
excommunicated someone who wasn't Catholic in the first place. You're going to have to examine the history of any organization. You're, hold on. You're going to have to examine the uh, history Whoa. of any organization you're a part of. Is she writing extra chapters to the book of Esther? Like, what is going on over there? Ugh, I'm driving my children and we're at a stoplight and my son is losing his mind. Aww. Oh, that's your son. I thought that was baby Esther. No, this is him sitting in the back seat sounding like I'm torturing him alive. Okay, I want you to, and when you're safe to do so at a stoplight or something, um, turn around, look at him sternly and confidently, and go and snap your hands and make that sound and see if that gets him to be like, whoa, what? Because it's weird. Yeah, no, listen to this. Peter! Stop it. What yeah, was that? There you go. You're that like, was me you're slapping like, the. Slapping no, no, bro, you did it wrong. You're all, you're all like Peter with like tense, nervous rage, and then you're uh, like, "How would you do it?" it. In very calm, in very calm, peaceful tones. Similar, but not the same. I mean, right now he sounds kind of frenzied, so I mean, you know, it may not work. But, but I mean, generally, before you know, you want to de-escalate, right, or like stop the escalation. So, like, if it, I don't know, do you want to hear this right now, or are you being yeah, like, screamed at by a toddler? Yeah. Nate, how many? Nate, how many kids do you have? If I said none or five, would it make a difference? It would, because the best parents two. are the ones that have no kids. So I'm just asking. Yeah. <laughs> I think I think the best I think the best parents are selfish parents. I'll explain that one in a minute. But okay, so <laughs> it's not wrong. So um, this may be a lost cause, but after this time, when everyone's calmed down again, um, whenever they start to get riled up, if they're like, if a scale goes to ten and it starts off at like they get to a three, they get to a four, do that like slappy thing. But like catch them off guard, like do it like behind them where they're not where they don't know what's coming. So it like kind of jolts them and shocks them. And if they're like a two or three, you'd be at like a four or five. So like you always stay, you know, a couple steps ahead of them. So then instead of them raising the temperature and raising the scale and you have to follow to catch up, you like jump ahead of them up the ladder, smack that ladder out so they can't keep climbing. And then you can bring it down and down and down. Um same smack the ladder metaphorically, not smack your kid. I mean, you know, spare the one, spoil the child, but that's a different topic. Anyway, so so keep that in mind, right? That's like police de-escalation tactics you can try on your toddler. Um, anyway, so but, but the idea... A, just in my own defense, he you'll hear that it's quiet now because the car is moving again. We have a disconnect <laughs> because, like, he, you know, it, it's tricky when you have a kid with special needs because for him, like, he's he's got this issue where it's like he won't, when the car is not moving, he goes from zero to five. There is no two. It's like an utter immediate meltdown. And then you're sort of along for the ride until you can coach him into regaining control, which I can't do while driving. So it's just a whole fun thing. Okay. Well, your defense is noted. And, you know, for special needs, you know, Taylor, <laughs> Taylor as appropriate. Okay, I, need, I'll just, I'll just... I need help. I need notes. Okay. I, I need, yeah. Okay. This, this is the best advice I can give you. Without going on a huge diatribe, Write this down. This is the best parenting advice I have ever got in my life. It is from a TV series. I've talked about it before. You probably know it. It is Caesar Milan, The Dog Whisperer. I'm not even kidding. I am not kidding. Write this down. It is the best parenting advice because it, it's not like talking and it, it's not like communicating on a on a like human intellectual level. It goes straight to like you know basic animal instincts. Uh, and if people want to be humans or animals, just just forget it. Just try this. But the point is communicating with like nonverbal communication primarily. I mean, you do the like sound thing, but primarily nonverbal communication and like 
energy and space and just how you would communicate on like the most base level. So that's where this comes from. So it works with like dogs, surprisingly children, um, cats to a very, very small point because they're just demon possessed. Um, but I mean, it works with like horses, animals, llamas, like all kinds of stuff. So all I can tell you is start from season one, episode one, and just watch what this guy does and do it. So the biggest thing is, is you'll do, I'm diatribing anyway, so I'll shut up in a minute. But the biggest thing is people will do the right actions, but they'll do it with like the wrong, from the wrong place, the wrong position. So like what, for example, you said you just like smack the chair. If you're like, uh, if they sense like kind of frustration or annoyance or a certain kind of vibe from you and you do that action, it, it could spur them on or rile them up. But if you're like, have this right energy, like this cool collected, like, Hey, matter of fact, energy, like kind of nonchalant. Um, it may seem callous, but it's just like, matter of fact, this is happening. Like turn smack. No. And they, they get a whole different vibe from you. It's like people can do the exact same motions, but have very different answers. So anyways, that's, that's the whole thing that he goes through and it is amazing. <laughs> anyway, okay, I'm going to try that. That's the best thing. Thank you. You're the best. See you guys. Oh, I try. What's up, Tippy? Yeah. So my, my, my best parenting advice is it's not to, dog whisper. <laughs> it's not dog whisper. It's uh, kids cry. Okay. That's just what they do. <laughs> That's it. It's that simple. Kids cry. You know what I do? Crit you know right no no <laughs> no no when they want, when i have to like do some disciplining which is not physical obviously i have two daughters so that would never happen so but uh, right. i make it well known that they have done something wrong and then they want to cry i say now you want to cry now you want to cry go to your room nobody wants to hear you cry <laughs> yeah well she's driving <laughs> she's driving so in all fairness like yeah, sometimes you just you look. You gotta let the kids cry. They need a good cry. <laughs> That's just it. And if it's uh, if, oh if you wow, have... would you like some healing crystals? No, I'm just saying like that's what kids do. It's like when people tell your kid, tell you to shut your kid up. Like, no, man, he's a kid. He's going to cry. There's things that's upsetting him and he can't verbalize it. So this is just mm. something that kids do. Stop being annoyed. It's just a cry. Well, you've heard very different theories here today. <laughs> I have four kids, Nate. <laughs> I have four kids, and I'm telling you, sometimes they just need to cry. And I think adults need to do this, too. You just need a good cry. <laughs> sure. And I mean, you know, that's I mean, that could be like a different category, right? Like I'm I would not say never, never cry. I mean, you know, there's times stuff like that if it's throwing a fit. Um, I would say that's almost never the time to cry unless it's a very, very small sliver where someone is just like, can like, they just have to, right? But those times, I would argue, are few and far between. Other than that, you know, crying is acceptable for like, you know, pain, death, uh, you know, like like pretty heavy weighted things. Um, yeah, but for a child. I don't know, but because, but because they want an icy and I say no, not today. That is not cry. the time to cry. Go, yeah, I don't care. Then cry. You're, you're still not oh. getting icy. Like, that's just, you know. Maybe, well, well, you're not getting icy and you're also not crying. And I'm yeah, like, how no. about this? I will get an icy and you will watch me eat your icy. <laughs> yeah. No, I wouldn't do that. I think no, it's, that's, that's. Yeah, that's a little bit too much right there. Yeah. No. For I the just, record, I have not actually done that. Because. No, I know. We're just saying, like, I personally, <laughs> like, if you're going to have a fit over an ice cream, well, I mean, go have your fit. That's not going to get you the ice cream. 
Um, let's see. You now, didn't uh, work Jay, in I, that I, when I was coming up. My 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 parents and my grandparents used to say, "I'm gonna give you something to cry for." Yeah, yeah. You want to cry? I'll give you something. I'll give you a reason to cry. I'll give you something to cry about. Um, uh, let's see. Who? Gosh, who can I actually? Uh, Todd, can I make you a mod real fast? Like Jay down there has her hand raised, and I, I guess it's not letting me invite her. Could you send Jay all the way down there and invite real quick and and see what she has to say, and then I'm I'm gonna have to run. But let's give her the last chance to say something if she'd like. All right, I did it. If she, if you're still down there, Jay, come on up. Um, anyone else have any words of wisdom to send us off? Wait, today's Thursday. I didn't realize until I th I started today. It is Thursday, right? My watch isn't wrong. Like it's really Thursday. I could have what? sworn it was Wednesday. What? Today is, is Thursday. It is uh, biceps and triceps for me. So yeah, it's Thursday. <laughs> <laughs> biceps When's leg triceps. day? When's leg day? Uh, leg days are Mondays and Fridays. Leg days are every day. Just kidding. Um, all right, I guess Jay's away right now. Anyway, <laughs> this was a fun day. Don't be a stranger. I think uh, I won't be here tomorrow because my lovely little gremlins have a play date because school starts next week. So they're organizing uh, playground things so they can go like kind of meet their new classmates ahead of time. So I'll be doing that. But um, there will be a there, there will be a podcast if anyone wants to listen to the banter of Chris and Steph and I. Um, it, it's from and Sean was there a little bit yesterday. So uh, check out askachristian.podbean.com and you can hear the funny shenanigans that go on when uh, Chris is off leash and doesn't have anyone to fight with. And it's just, uh, you know, he can be kind of funny sometimes. I can just make jokes. <laughs> yes, Chris can got, be funny. You got jokes. <laughs> I got jokes. Chris, is that from... You got jokes. Uh, you got bad from, jokes. Is your, is your PTR from, like, Oregon Trail? Yes. From yeah. <laughs> 100%. Like Wait, are you Gen X? You sound way younger. He has than Gen to X. be. He has to be. Are you, Tippy, are you Gen X or are you millennial? Tippy doesn't give out her age. Uh, well, I'm not. I'm not asking you if Tippy you're like is 29. I'm just saying, are you like what generation are you in? That's too close. That is it too close. That would okay. give out. Yeah, that would give out too much. Are you Are you between the ages of zero and one hundred? I actually. Too close. That's not too close. I, you know, I'm over. <laughs> I'm close. over 900. Like I call myself Methuselah because that's how You're old I am. Over 900. <laughs> <laughs> did anyone see the birth? Incredibly anyone see impressive. The, oh. Hang on, last last thing before I go. Check this out. Hang on, I got to go on PTR. Oh, it's hilarious. Where is it? It's a. Maybe you've seen this. Oh, come on. Don't let me down. Where are you? It's a birthday cake. From Genesis. <laughs> oh, here it is. Oh, this is so funny. Christian jokes. <laughs> I can't see Methuselah doing biceps and triceps. It's a okay, do, cake. P do PTR. This is a Whoa. birthday cake from uh, Genesis. That's pretty yeah, good. If, that anybody, awesome. if anybody asks my age, I, I just tell them I'm older than Aisha. Pretty simple. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, that must kill among the killers. Oh man, I bet the Muslims love that. They love it. <laughs> they love it. Has anyone ever told you to meet them on the battlefield? Oh yeah, we had Muslims tell us that one day. Yeah, good luck with that. Your little knife's not gonna outrun my bullets. <laughs> <laughs> my attack helicopter. <laughs> oh, by the way, people that can't see here just listening, the uh, birthday cake has like a thousand candles in it. 
people lived longer then. Anyway, have an awesome Thursday. We'll see you guys later. This was a fun day. God bless you. Later. <laughs>